Ladies and gentlemen, this is the podcast you've all been waiting for. Introducing first, not fighting, but broadcasting out of dad's office in the basement. He stands six feet, one inches tall, weighing in somewhere around 180 pounds. This is will the the blonde bomber skywalker <laughs> i hated that i know you got up and left <laughs> i know for our audio listeners i just walked away from my set because of that intro i hated I did, that i just made that up i didn't know what to say i know you just made that up we've been talking now for like 15 minutes before we started recording and <laughs> i i had no clue what i was gonna say I know you're always like we're always like hi welcome to the Legionnaire podcast. Uh, I'm we're Kelly. like NPR. We're not like NPR. Boop ba doop boop boop boop. Dude, people Kel on NPR. Said. Do you listen to NPR? No, but I've heard it well not I don't like listen to it on my free time, but I've heard it enough where it's like boop ba doop boop boop boop. We cut to Will where he was speaking with his parents and hey, where's my blender? will said like okay this is all of all the npr podcasts they have this weird beep boop boop music and it's it's goofy quirky stuff i i I was i don't know npr may be great but everybody's on npr sounds so pretentious when they talk like um actually on capitol hill today president biden was talking about the current state of the legionnaire podcast he said and then it's just like it's like why do you all talk like that yeah, screw you, NPR. No, don't say that. What if they sponsor we can, us? We can do that because <laughs> we don't have a whole lot of listeners. What if so, one of them works at NPR? Well, then we love NPR. I don't. NPR is. I'm I, just making fun of like their like beat bop music. I'm not actually ripping on the people who work at NPR. The people may be great, but their music sucks. I don't know what the beat bop is, but you know what I do know is we're talking about the Siege of Mandalore today. Well, before we get into that, I wanted to, um, it was Friday night. I was taking a nap and now what time at night are you taking a nap? Cause is this when like normal people are sleeping? No, this was at like five o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. Yeah. I was taking a nap and I hear I had the door closed in the basement where I was napping and I hear all this commotion and yelling going on upstairs. And I'm like, what the hell? Who is yelling upstairs? And I was thinking to myself, like, dang, mom and dad must really be yelling loud. I like open the door and I try to listen. I'm like, no, they're not yelling. They're listening. They're watching a movie. I was like, what movie are they watching? I was trying to listen. And I was like, oh, they're watching the rise of Skywalker. And I was like, wow, they really argue a lot in that movie. <laughs> because Dude, yeah, I like didn't realize that for a second because I heard them all yelling and I was like, wow, mom and dad must be yelling really loud. But we, we have a really great stereo system upstairs for watching movies. And after a while, like I realized I was like, oh, they're watching the rise of Skywalker. So I walked upstairs and I watched, they were only like 
30 minutes into the movie. So I watched the rest of it with them, but I was just like, Oh wow. I forgot just how often they yell during this movie. Yeah. It's always like Paul and Ray yelling. Yeah. At each those other. two were butting heads for some reason. When that it's movie. like uncomfortable but... amount of times. Did watching it with them change your perspective on the movie after we talked about it recently? Um, I mean, I, my frustrations are still similar to what we said last time. I think I still like if I were to give it a score out of 10 or something, I'd still give it like a six and a half. I think that's when I came out of the theaters. I think I said I gave it a seven. I think I and then after a while, after I sat on it, I think I gave it like a six and a half. But then the next night they're watching the movies in such a goofy order. They started watching. They watched The Rise of Skywalker and then they watched The Force Awakens. And then last night we dad and I watched The Siege of Mandalore because I told them that we were going to talk about it. And then right now they're watching the last Jedi. What's that? What prompted their star Wars kick? They don't, okay. For people listening, they never watch star Wars unless we're home and we make them watch it. Yeah. I don't know. I was bummed. Cause I was like, dang, I actually really want to watch. I wanted to watch the force awakens with them. And I want to watch the last Jedi with them just cause I haven't seen those movies in a while. I think I, the last time I watched, Oh, geez. The last time I watched The Last Jedi, it's been like a couple, it's been like probably five, six months since I last saw it. So, wow. But yeah, I haven't seen it. No, it's been longer, actually. It's I think I watched longer. it with you. Yeah, you probably, we winter might have watched it. Winter break 2020. Yeah, we actually might have like watched the, it over winter break. Yeah, like, oh no, 20, or I think it was 2019 because I was about to go back to Madison. No, because we watched um, we watched The Rise of Skywalker. So it was last. It was this last winter break, twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. But yeah, I well, it doesn't sound like they're watching it anymore because I hear the shower going upstairs and everything else. So yeah, they're getting ready to go to bed at bed at eight p.m. like they normally do. But I was just like, damn. I got the I got to the end of the Force Awakens with them. I just came back from work, and it was when uh, Ray was pulling the lightsaber out of the snow, and I was like, "This is such a great scene." Chills. That's the best. It's like the best scene in the movie. It's an amazing I, scene. I'd argue it's top three or five in the sequel trilogy. I'd say it's top three, four, five in all of the movies and the whole saga. Yeah, I haven't really thought about it, but it might be. It's a great scene. It's Ray coming to like her power and understanding who she is and what her, at least having entering the world of the force and realizing what her power is. These are your first steps. Yeah. I love Ray. I love her as a character. She was not written the best, but I love her as a character though. Yeah. I just find myself. Sorry, you go. I was going to say, especially in the force awakens. I love her in the force awakens. That's my bet. That's my favorite iteration of her i guess i want to say uh yeah 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 probably but mm, i don't know i like her a lot in the last jedi to be honest with you i love her in all three of the movies it's just the way that they do like the stuff that they they write for her isn't the best but yeah we're not here to talk about that though no we can talk about sequel trilogy at a later day has it's our current excuse for everything we talk well, we, about 
We will eventually, sometime soon, because we keep talking about how we will, so. At some point, but that's not today. Yeah, we're here to talk about something else. We're here to talk about arguably the greatest piece of Star Wars content besides The Empire Strikes Back. It's, if this was released as a movie, it would be the best Star Wars, it would be the best Star Wars movie since Cal's telling me I'm quiet right now. Uh, you're really, you sound really quiet right now in uh, my headphones. I, I don't know. It's weird. I'm like right next to my microphone. Anyways. But you're not speaking into it. Yes, I am. No, you're not. See now that when you were facing the microphone, I can hear you. And dad, when he's listening to this, he'll tell us, he'll say the same thing. Cause I know he'll text us and be like, Hey, I really heard Will when you turned his face into the microphone and started talking. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> after that tangent. I don't even know where I was going now with this. Oh, if this was released as a movie, this would be the best Star Wars content since Empire Strikes Back. It is the best content since Empire Strikes Back. No, it is. But I'm just saying if it was released as a movie. Which yeah. it should be. It should be released as a movie. Yeah. I Look, yeah. I mean, I guess we'll just jump right in. Um, so the Siege of Mandalore came out uh it came out last year at the end of quarantine well not at the end of quarantine i guess in wisconsin in may or april and may because that's when season seven came out and season seven of the clone wars i remember when exactly where i was when the trailer well first it was like the clone wars was saved i don't know when that was announced did they announce when did they announce the clone wars was saved because it was the show was canceled two different times yeah, so Star Wars The Clone Wars first came out in... The movie came out in 2008, and then the TV show didn't came out not too long after, if I'm correct. And it lasted for five seasons, which went to, I think, about 2013. Mm-hmm. And then the show got canceled because Disney had bought Star Wars at that point, and I think they wanted to go in a different direction I think they wanted to go with a more kid-friendly show at first, which then introduced Star Wars Rebels. So that show sort of took over the animated scene of Star Wars at that point in time. So Star Wars Rebels came out. But then in 2015, I want to say it was, 2015 or 2016, Disney sort of allowed one final season to be released of star Wars, the clone wars. And it came out on Netflix and it was called the lost missions. And it was only 12 episodes and it was one arc dealing with, it was just a cut. There was, I think four story arcs about the whole thing. There was one with a clone trooper named fives. And there was another one with Mace Windu and the, the night mother night sisters, mother. I don't know what her name is. uh, um, Mother Talza. Mother Talza. Yeah. And then there was one with, Dooku, Anakin, and Obi-Wan. And then there was one with Yoda. And then the one with Yoda sort of felt like a... It it felt like an ending, the way that the Clone Wars wrapped up, but it was just kind of like a a very open-ended way that the show sort of had its finale. And that was in like 2015, I want to say. But then in 2018, I was sitting on the couch... And I got a notification on my phone from the Star Wars app that had said Clone Wars saved. And I was like, okay, so this is, are they doing like some comic book or 
what are they doing? Because I, I thought to myself, there's no chance that this show is coming back. It's already been canceled now twice, basically. So I didn't really think much of it, but I clicked on it when I got the notification and it was this trailer that had come out. So I was watching it and it was this voiceover of Captain Rex and other clones and it was a shot of their clone trooper helmets as the camera was panning back and showing all the helmets lined up on the ground. And then they all blew up from some rocket and it cut to then dialogue and it said a war left unfinished until now. And then I was like, Oh damn, they're like actually going to finish up this series. And then they started showing like a little bit of new footage for the, for season seven then. And I was like, oh, damn, they're actually going to make a new season of Star Wars The Clone Wars, and it's actually going to finish up the show right, because it says, a war left unfinished until now. And I was so excited when I finally got that news. Yeah, because I remember being at the pool. It was raining out. We were in the guardhouse. I think it might have been lightning or thundering. It was a Saturday morning. And I think it was like one of the mornings where it was like, it was like an open swim, but like nobody was there. So like we were all just chilling in the guardhouse. And like, I remember looking at my phone. I think you had texted me and you're like, mm-hmm. the Clone Wars is back. And I'm like, what? I remember watching this on my phone in the guardhouse and I'm like freaking out. And it was crazy because I remember watching that. I was like, I was watching it and I showed some of our other coworkers who were also really into um, Star Wars. We were losing our minds and all of the girls that working there who weren't into Star Wars were looking at us like we were a bunch of weirdos. Regardless, it was, those are one of, that's one of those moments in my life where I remember exactly where I was when I heard the news and which was a bummer because like, I remember when they announced like at the end is like, Oh yeah, it's not coming out until 2020. And we're like, I'm like, I have to wait two years to watch this. <laughs> yeah, it was a bummer because they still they hadn't finished up Rebels yet, and I I will always blame Star Wars Rebels for getting the Clone Wars canceled because there was plenty of even when the show actually ended with the Siege of Mandalore story arc, there was still plenty of story left to be told because there was a bunch of storyboards that had leaked online and artworks for story developments that they didn't finish. And the thing that I always find funny is once this show like actually ended after this final arc came out, the arc we're about to talk about, the show ended immediately and everyone was like, bring it back. We want to get the final season with all the final stories that you guys made. Yeah, because I remember they put out on, I think, StarWars.com and like YouTube, like the unfinished animation, like and dialogue. Like it's just like because I remember there's an arc of I remember because I would watch it when I was come home from. I would go to the local university for math class and I'd come back and like I'd eat lunch at home and I'd watch the Clone Wars. Those unfinished ones, there's an arc of Anakin and Obi-Wan on Utapau where they find a huge kyber crystal. It was crazy. I mean, once you get past the fact that the animation is garbage and like they're not actually running, they're just like gliding across a field. Yeah, they didn't actually animate it. They just did. They made the designs and they didn't actually decide to fully develop it. And nobody blinks and they're they're all blocky looking. But it was really I mean, it was really good. There are other arcs I can't remember off the top of my head. I just remember the Utapau one because that was really cool. Um but yeah. But it it was exciting to see that because it actually felt like the show was getting the ending that it deserved because it had gotten canceled twice at this point. And seeing at this point, oh wow, it's really storming outside. It's like I don't know if you can hear the thunder going. No. Oh, it's 
it's coming down hard where I'm at right now. But um, it felt like this show finally got the ending that it deserved because it had gotten canceled twice. And I never thought that the show would actually get the ending that it deserved. Because not to say that the final story arc in season six was bad. It was a really good story arc. But it just, I still felt like that there was a lot of story left to be told. And then they announced season seven, the final season, which, oh, it had some high highs and it had some low lows. Yeah, the Siege of Mandalore was preceded by the four episodes before might have been my the worst. L- the worst episodes I have ever seen in the Clone Wars. Like, it's supposed to be like, oh, Ahsoka's finding her way, but like, they were so. Yeah, so season seven, season seven, there was 12 episodes. The first four was with Captain Rex. No, there was 12. 12 episodes. Are you sure about that? I. Oh, yeah, there is. I'm dumb. Yeah. I was going to say we said, so the first four episodes were with Captain Rex and the Bad Batch. And there's currently the Bad Batch TV show going on now, but it was an introduction to the Bad Batch characters during the Clone Wars. And then episodes five through five through eight were with Ahsoka and her reintroduction to the Clone Wars because she left off getting she left the Jedi Council voluntarily after the temple bombing the Jedi order, not the council. Well, and the council sort of like shunned her. She out. didn't leave the council. The council forced her to leave the order. Well, the council didn't force her to leave, but basically they did, but they didn't. Yeah. But you see, yeah, so she left the Jedi Order. Um, and then, uh, yeah, episodes four through eight were with Ahsoka and her reintroduction of the show and seeing where she was at after she had left the Order. And that was complete garbage. It was a terrible arc. Didn't like it at all. It should have only been like two episodes, but that's neither here nor there now. No. And then the last four, which is what Cal and I have been talking about now is arguably the best it's it's the best star wars content released since the empire strikes back and it's not really close because of how well this arc has been made and that is of course the siege of mandalore story arc and oh boy this arc has everything you could want for a star wars story yeah even for like the like the entire arc like was cinematic like the quality of like the animation, the music, the dialogue. Mm-hmm. It was different. The whole like they could have like it was clearly meant to be a movie, but like split up into four parts. Yeah, you could tell they spent their whole budget on these four yeah. these last four episodes because even though even though the other episodes of season seven looked good, they did not look nearly as good as the animation did in these last four. The last four just looked like they were on a whole nother level and they did things throughout the story arc where they didn't need to do, but they actually used like great shots and cinematography and the transitions between scenes and the music that they used, the score. It was, it was amazing what they did with it. Yeah. So like, even from like, from the first episode, old friends not forgotten, like you knew it was going to be like all time content. Like, cause like normally the clone wars is like the, the quick the jump intro. It's like, the title card right away this starts with like the original lucasfilm limited green text on the screen mm-hmm. and then it starts with the opening sequence from like the old like the star wars movies 
like yeah, the like Skywalker the Star Saga. Wars theme. Yeah, the, yeah. Like the Star Wars theme song. And then it jumps into like the voiceover from the guy who plays Yalaren, and we see Revenge of the Skin or Revenge of the Sith reskins of certain characters. Gr- yeah, like Grievous. And you and I remember we were just like, "Oh my god, he looks so good!" I was so excited when I saw that because of how clean the new character model was for him because his character model in other episodes of the clone wars was fine but it was like two sec it was not even two it was like one second of just a quick shot of general grievous and i was like oh my god this is so good i love this but then it set the the voiceover to set up where it was at was it was depressing because we see the jedi on the planets that they were at before order 66 was commenced so you had an idea that this is this is where it's gonna go and this is how it's gonna end the end of the line because the, so the speculation rolling into it is are we gonna see order 66 happen yeah it wasn't ever confirmed like i had a strong idea and i want to talk about it later but i had a strong idea that it was gonna happen but i didn't know when it was going to happen i didn't know if it was gonna be the final episode or the second to last episode or if it was gonna be right away in the first episode like there wasn't really much to go off of because they didn't they tried they kept a lot of it under wraps thank god i wish i'm so glad none of this was spoiled for me yeah no same here but after that voiceover and just like seeing where all the jedi were at and there's certain locations i was just like damn this really is it this is like we're getting to the end of the clone war yeah it's funny to say the clone war is like there's more than one war yeah I mean, there's little micro battles in between there. Yeah. But so the opening when they're on Yerbana and like, I, oh my God, I, I go nuts for this opening sequence. I've watched it so many times. Well, um, so before this even, before this arc started, you were like, you had said to me, Dave lost his touch after the last four episodes with. Oh my Rafa God. You're really going to seriously like, and you think that's unwarranted after those four episodes, you're really going to pull no, this on. Me I right don't, now? I think that is unwarranted because I was like, I know the stuff that Dave can do. Like I've seen his greatest story arcs. I'm like, I know that this has been saving up. So like immediately when we get into the battle of your you like you were both, you were like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm wrong. This yeah, is, I was. And you're like, I'm mad that you're bringing this up right now. I uh, so, those episodes were so bad. And I was like, Dave, what were you thinking when you made these? Okay, I'm not disagreeing with you. They were bad episodes, but I just I thought it was funny because I was still holding faith in Dave, and you were like, he's oh, lost. Oh God, his you're touch. so cool for that. Thank you so much for. You're welcome. It must be really hard being being yourself sometimes. I don't know how you do it. I feel very vindicated right now for keeping faith. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. You couldn't imagine. I really couldn't. Uh, you have no idea how heavy this head is right now. I got like a 20 pound bowling ball on this noggin. That's a big bowling ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So anyway, after you drag me under the bus for that. I'm just, I'm not dragging you under the bus. I I got things that I'm going to admit that I was wrong on with this. I have some goofy theories, but we'll get there. All right. Anyway, we still, we start on your Bono where like the two twelfth is fighting. Um, the two twelfth attack battalion is fighting. Um, the separate, one of the separatist droid armies and a dude, this seek. Oh my God. You posted this. 
um you like you just like posted this on your instagram story and you just tagged me you're like this is so awesome and i'm like i know (laughs) (laughs) and so it's like they're fighting like commander cody's down like they're like he's a commander cody's about to get hit with this droid shell coming from this tank and all of a sudden Obi-Wan Kenobi comes sailing through the air and cuts it down and he lands and like the smoke is coming over his face and like the coolest music is I don't even I'm not even gonna try to make the noise into the microphone. No. Yeah. I, you can't even replicate how cool it is. Like I tear up every time that happens because like this is like my fa- our favorite Star Wars character, my childhood hero. Every time we were like Jedi, like I always wanted to be like Obi-Wan Kenobi or Anakin Skywalker. Like that was all we're always like, I want to be Obi-Wan Kenobi or Anakin Skywalker. And like he just lands and he's looking, and he's like, he's like, it's Cody, get be- down. It's this beautiful shot. It's like a slow shot. Like it goes from his lightsaber and it pans up to Obi-Wan after he cuts the the missile. And it was just it was a beautiful shot. The cinematography was amazing. The music was great. And you like you get the feeling that this is this is different. It's it's a much different feeling for the rest of the episodes. So like Obi Wan and his men like get down, and they're like like we're pinned down. Da 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 da. He's like, and then Obi Wan's sitting there. He's like, Anakin, where are you? And this is where Anakin like Sky like during the season. Anakin has a few moments where you and I are like, oh my yeah, Anakin is the goat. He's like the most powerful Jedi ever. Yeah. Um, like in the Bad Batch arc in the beginning of the season, he's so like every, all of the the clones are hiding, and Obi Wan they're ducking down behind cover, and Anakin is just standing upright behind him, just like. He's like head dodging um, lights or uh, blaster bus as, com- as they're flying by. And he's like, he looks down at them. He's like, what are you doing down there? <laughs> and and Obi-Wan's like, we are taking cover. You should get down here. He's like, he's like, you cannot be serious. There are only like a thousand droids over their tops. He's like, Obi-Wan's like, well, he's and like, he immediately knows Anakin's up to something because Anakin and like the 501st are always doing some like really unorthodox crap to like win battles. He's like, he's like, where are your men? And where's Captain Rex? He's like, well, we finished our battles. So we figured we might come help you with yours. He's like, you're overdoing it again. And then Anakin turns around. He's like, I can hide. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry, master. If you want, I can come down there and hide with you. Or we could do this my way. Obi-Wan's just like, all right, do whatever you want. And Anakin here now kind of commits a war crime. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just a little. When he like walks out, he's like, I have. Well, like it's this is like the really cool. This is a really cool part where Dave Filoni like. Indirectly, indirectly like references the sequel trilogy because you see like Anakin like walking down the separatist army and then like there's a target we can't hit and like you just see Anakin. And then, like, so they have one of the droid um, artillery tanks, I guess, whatever, like, turn and face him. And it's, like, almost the exact same shot as in The Last Jedi when the projection of Luke Skywalker is out in front of all of the ATM-6s and they're, like, looking at it. And, like, they're all take aim at him. But Anakin's like, hold your fire. And they're like, what? And he's like, I have come to surrender. <laughs> and... This is kind of a war crime. You can't really fake a surrender and then massacre an army, but that's basically what Anakin does. But because you see that 501st crawling, so they're on a bridge. Like this battle is taking place on a confined bridge. So like there's, it's like a, it's a one, it's a two directional or a one directional battle. It's just like an X axis moving back and forth. But you see, then like it pans underneath the bridge. 
because like r2d2 pops up and he looks down, and then you like look underneath the bridge and all of the 501st is crawling underneath the bridge with jetpacks on and oh my god this this opening scene bro so it's anakin, so good anakin pulls the tactical droid to the leader droid of their army and he cuts his head off and the 501st come launching out from beneath this bridge to the um music from the um return to the jedi so when anakin's like talking and like he's trying to like stall for time so the 501st get in position they the tactical droid comes out so we can get it it's like the dunt dunt like from return of the jedi when they're above the sarlacc pit mm-hmm. you have something to say no that's just what i was gonna say and because you're you're so excited i know explaining it you're just like all over the board yeah sorry this is this is pretty bad explanation because i'm really no excited. no no. you're fine i i was just I, I could tell like how excited you were and i was just like yeah that's from the sarlacc pit but no yeah keep going and so it's like the it's music above the sarlacc pit anakin pulls the tactical droid for the droid army cuts his head off all of a sudden like the music just crescendos it's like da 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 and like all of the you can see like there's a rotating shot around anakin where you can see all of the clone troopers coming out from underneath the bridge with their jetpacks on it. Oh my god, you and it, we we went bananas for this because I remember we were just like that was so cool, and they're flying through and they're blowing stuff up, and it was yeah, no, oh it was my god the music building up to the scene because I didn't when we first saw it, I didn't catch it because I was so invested in what was happening, I didn't like process that it was the um the Return of the Jedi music playing. And then when we watched it again, I was like, oh, this is actually from Return of the Jedi with the dot, dot. And it, I was like, this is cool because Luke Skywalker, it's sort of the same standoff with Luke Skywalker and Jabba the Hutt and Anakin with um, the tactical droid. I was like, this is, I, I love these just sort of correlations. And then same thing earlier, the um, the mirror, it's it's like poetry, it rhymes with poetry, it rhymes. Well, with Anakin marching down the confederacy army the because it was a massive army a thousand droids Only. and yeah tops but it was it was a beautiful shot of him walking up and it's the same thing with luke skywalker when he goes to face those gorilla walkers so it's the the poetry and just this the the way that it mirrors in different movies the way that you can sort of make analogies and like compare them it's just it, it was amazing and i just love the fact that Dave was able to draw from other movies and do the same thing, even though like this is like Anakin is sort of the one who started it and we're seeing it happen with him. It's, it's just, it was beautiful. I loved it so much. Yeah. It's almost like they're related to each other. It's almost, <laughs> but regardless, uh, they take out the separatist army on the bridge and you get like, we get some good banter between Anakin and, um, obi-wan which is like which is what's really good like, like the clone wars did as a whole like because we don't really see like a whole lot of brotherly banter between anakin and obi-wan in the movies we get a little bit of it in revenge of the sith but like in attack of the clones obi-wan's just mean to anakin half the time yeah that's the clone wars did a great job of fleshing out not only anakin and obi-wan but it also did a great job of fleshing out the war and the clones themselves and like making the timeline make more sense and the eventual order 66, it made it more impactful because of the way that this show set characters up and fleshed them out so much better than the movies did. Yeah, it's yeah, that's what's, that's a really redeeming quality of the show. And 
which is a bummer that people don't give the show a chance more often they see it, it's anime like, oh, i don't want to watch an animated show but i don't know listen regardless <laughs> this next part we have in the notes i remember exactly you and i like text each other because we were t- we didn't get to see this episode together we, i think we watched episode no we two. did was it this one yeah we watched so it, i remember the episodes we watched we watched the last episode of the martina sisters and we watched the first two episodes of this arc Oh, yeah, that's right. I was home for a while when I came back. Yeah, you were home for three weeks. And I remember seeing, because I remember then we didn't get to see the third episode of this arc. But I remember we got to watch this, both the Old Friends I Forgotten and the Phantom Apprentice together. Yeah, okay. Because you remember this, there's like a transition from like, so they get a call from Admiral Yalarns, like, come back to the ship. There's uh, Agent Fulcrum and like, oh, I saw Guerrero, but it's not. And we immediately knew it was Ahsoka because that's her code name in Rebels. Rebels. Um, so there's like a transition. Like you should come back to the ship. There's a transition with a lat gunsh l a t l a t gunship that like it's just going from the planet to the ship. Very inconsequential scene that we're even talking about. It is ridiculous, but like it is so cinematic in all of the quality like there's like a light on the cockpit and it's just flying like it's not something you'd expect like to see in like a just a regular tv show because we both turned each other we're like why is that so good why is that so good yeah the way that they cut it like the music and the transition the way that they did the wipe and the pan from that scene into the next scene but they had that laat gunship flying through space it's it it's like a two second if that scene it's just a very quick like just transition showing Anakin and Obi-Wan flying from the planet Urbana up to space to the Venator ship. And it's just super quick, but the way that they shot it and the music that plays over it, it's so cinematic and it just makes you feel that this is, it's, it's a movie. It makes you feel like it's a movie on TV. Yeah. It feels like it, it like belonged. It like came straight out of like revenge of the Sith or something. No, and that's what's great because it, it, it doesn't take you out of the world. It's sort of, it, it makes you feel more connected and it makes it feel more realistic in person. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Oh God. Just, uh, yeah. It's, this it's just this brief, it's this brief scene and it's, it's the small things that they do throughout this arc mm-hmm. that just, I mean the big things as well, but the, the small things as well just add so much that you, it, it's amazing. Um, yeah, it's, Oh my God, just, we, we can dive it. I'd like, if we were to talk about every single little detail of this podcast, it would probably be somewhere around four hours. But regardless, so we get a re, uh, like a nice, um, I guess, re- reuniting of Anakin and Ahsoka. Um, mm-hmm. And it's kind of heartbreaking in like a little like bits and pieces because they have the little hologram talk at first. And she's he's like, he, he Anakin and Obi-Wan, he's like, all right, Admiral, why are we here? And he just sees Ahsoka and he's like, Oh my God, Ahsoka, are, are are you okay? How how are you doing? And she's like, I'm fine, thank you. But we can talk about this later. I have, uh, we've located, um, the Sith Maul. Lord Maul, and mm-hmm. he's like, oh, and the, you can see Anakin just like his face, just like he's like, oh God, like yeah, ah, oh, okay, like all right, like yeah. I just want to know how you're doing. I want to make sure. Okay. And it's so nice because like, I remember when, Aunt, like when Ahsoka first showed up, people were like, why does it, what did, why did it? Cause I remember we were all mad. Like you and I were pissed about it too. Like Anakin shouldn't have an apprentice. He's Obi-Wan's apprentice. Da-da-da-da. And it's like the way, like it helped flesh out so much of his character. It's, oh God, it's just 
beautiful. Yeah. Because she showed up and we hated her, and now she comes back and we're like, oh my god, it's Soko. Yeah, it shows more attachment from Anakin and more emotion in this show. And it's... He hasn't seen Ahsoka in a year at this point now. So it's it's just a great way of... Again, it's like the small things that they do. It's just a great way of showing how much time has passed and how he actually cares about her and hasn't not like a, like a love attachment to her, but he has an attachment to her in a way because he's, she it's was like his love. Padawan. Like, yeah, it's like, it's like f- familial love. Mm-hmm. Family. But love. yeah, no, I guess I just didn't mean to say romantic love. Yeah, no. Um, and so when she comes to the ship, when she lands, cause she's with Bo-Katan and a Mandalorian um, faction, when they land, like when she comes and lands on the ship, and like her coming out of the ship, it's a direct parallel to when she shows up in the Clone Wars movie, and Anakin Obi Wan are waiting for her to come off the ship. Um, and it's it's a direct parallel, and R two D two, like when he he sees her, he he kind of just rolls up to her like a dog. He's like, "Hi, I haven't seen you in forever," and she's like petting him. Mm-hmm. It was he, yeah, R two's excited to see her. It's it's the same thing from the movie when she first appeared. Exactly. From the very first Clone Wars movie, there's only one movie, but the very first piece of the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. it was, oh, it was so it's it's just like it's like poetry; it rhymes. Yeah, no That's this a, this yeah. this first episode has a lot of mirroring, like it it does its callbacks and or its future references to other pieces of Star Wars media, which is great. I love it. And so this then brings us into when they're meeting in the ship. Like when they're meeting on like the command deck of the um, Republic cruiser, and um, so they said like they've located the renegade renegade Sith Lord Maul on Mandalore and the capital city of Sundari, and it, like I just wrote this down because Bulkin is like I need to get Mandalore back. Like this, we'll talk about this when we talk about Mandalorian. I, you and I both think Bulkin isn't like she like is around protagonists but we don't think she's actually has like pure intentions half of the time. Like she wa- just wants, she's power hungry and wants more power. Yeah, I think it's tougher because she's been like a terrorist her whole life being a part of death watch and then being part of the night owls Mandalorian creed. So it's just, it's tough because I feel like she hasn't had that structure her life the way that her sister Satine has had where she knows what it takes to be a good ruler. Mm-hmm. Because you can see that when she's like, we need you to help us we don't have the numbers for siege on Mandalore. We need your help. And Obi-Wan's pressing again. He's like, I don't think we can get into this. Da, 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 da. And she's, he's like, we're, he's like, we already, we have a, um something about like, we cannot get involved in a war. And she's like, what's one more war? And Anakin's like, um, well, we haven't finished our first one yet. Well, yeah, because Mandalore, it was declared a neutral planet in the clone war. Mm-hmm. They weren't going to take a side with the CIS or the Republic. And the previous ruler, Satine, had made that apparent, and Satine was Obi-Wan's love interest, and she had gotten killed uh, probably like a year prior to this uh, arc happening. She got killed by Darth Maul in Mandalore in the throne room. So Bo-Katan says to, um, she says to Obi-Wan and Anakin, she's like, there's no time. My sister... Oh, what does she say? I'm trying to think. She says, he, she says, yeah. he, rur- he murdered our ruler, my sister. I thought she meant something to you. And it's, it cuts to then one of the greatest Obi-Wan lines and scenes in the Clone Wars because he, 
the Duchess Satine, who is Bo-Katan's sister as well, and Satine was also the previous ruler of Mandalore before she got killed by Maul. She was Obi-Wan's love interest. He says earlier in this, in like season five of this show, that he harbored feelings for her when he was on a mission with Qui-Gon on Mandalore and they were to protect her. And he had even said to Satine at one point during the show that if she had asked him to leave the Jedi Order, that he would leave it for her. So it shows that how much of an attachment that Obi-Wan has for her. But at this point now, Obi-Wan has devoted himself to the Jedi Order and he's devoted himself to the council too. I don't know if he's, has he earned the rank of, has he's on the council at this point. Yeah. Obi-Wan's, yeah, at the, yeah, yeah. Obi-Wan's on the council at this point. So he says back to her after Bo-Katan says, my sister, I thought, but he's, after Bo-Katan says, I thought my sister meant something to you. He replies back saying she did and still does, but I cannot allow my feelings to cloud my judgment. The council will decide what our course of action will be. And it's just because Jedi aren't allowed to form an emotional attachment and Obi-Wan's doing what not because because Jedi need to have an emotional attachment. You and I have said that the Clone War is what clouded the Jedi's judgment and it's sort of is why they always fail because they lack an emotional attachment for people and they always try to be so bipartisan and neutral unless if there's like out of balance for the Clone Wars, which is why it's why the Jedi are sort of becoming a militarized force throughout the Clone War. But you see that he just he sort of takes one like on the chin and he sort of takes one for the team because he's like i'm gonna go to the council and let them decide if we should get involved on mandalore and try and capture maul because like emotionally he's yeah i want to go get the guy who killed my master and killed the only part the only woman that i loved so it's like you feel bad for him and he says like she did and still does and it shows that Obi-Wan still hasn't gotten over her death and he's still sort of holding on to that and it's still the guilt is still hanging over him and it's just it's it's a very sad scene and it's just it's not like supposed to be a sad scene but just the music that plays with it and the way he delivers the line is it's just so it's it really makes me feel for Obi-Wan because I love Obi-Wan so much. And you see the pain on his face, like when she says it and he's walking away, because you immediately see the pain on his face when she brings that up. And it's just like, uh, Obi-Wan, no, <laughs> don't yeah. be sad. I I love it because, I mean, yeah, the council, sh- the Jedi should be able to form an emotional attachment to one another. Not maybe like in a romantic setting, but if they can't have their emotions sort of, I get it's tough because they can't get emotionally unbalanced in a fight and start making just these outlandish choices based off of their emotions. But I mean, if you also don't have that emotional sort of feeling inside of you, then you're just like a robot at that point. So that's why Anakin talks about compassion and attack of the clones to Padme, but he's really just trying to justify him being all horny hours. Yeah, he's just trying to lay some pipe. Yeah, but um, and it's kind of funny because when Obi-Wan's like saying all of this, I can't allow my feelings to cloud my judgment. Anakin's over there looking a little conflicted because he is like the king of emotional. Yeah, he's, mar- he's married at this point. Yeah, he's married. He's like done a lot of crap and anger. And his wife is pregnant, which he doesn't know about yet. Yeah, and he's I forget Anakin's only like 19 or 20 at this time. I think he's 22. 
<laughs> nice. Because Ahsoka's 17. Oh, yeah. So That's crazy. he's No, yeah, I looked it up before I was writing stuff down because I wanted to make sure. And she was 14 when she first was introduced in the movie. And I want to talk about it later as well. But I saw that she was 17. So Anakin has to be around like 22 or 23. That's crazy. Yeah. God, that's crazy. I couldn't imagine doing that. No, I, so I, yeah, I, I want to save that for later when we get to it, but, <laughs> um, so they, the, the, the meeting breaks up and then we like Bo-Katan, she's like, this was a mistake. And she leaves and Obi-Wan's gone. And there's Anakin and Ahsoka and Ahsoka and Anakin ex- exchange a few little witty lines. And Anakin's like, come on, I want to show you something. And they're walking through the star Destroyer or the Republic cruiser. And she's, they're walking down the hallways and the clones are stopping and they're saluting Ahsoka. And she's like, they shouldn't, they shouldn't be saluting me. I'm not a part of the Jedi order. And like, I'm not a part of the Republic anymore. And he's like, it's like, it doesn't matter. They, they know those men know what you went through for them. And God, I'm going to cry saying this line, but he's like, cause he's like loyalty means everything to the clones. And like, at this point, like they had stopped in front of a door and the door opens and Rex is there with the 501st. And, it's like the music just like swells up and like they, she shows up and he's like company attention. And then like they, they come to attention and like they have like all of their helmets painted like her face. Cause like her face is orange. She's got like white lines on it from turned native people. And they had all painted their helmets like that. And they're like, they all knew she was coming back and they, the, the five first goes bananas for Ahsoka and Anakin. Like they're like, it's like, kind of like described among other jedi like like you're like but your legion is like kind of like a cult like you're like they religiously follow anakin and ahsoka Mm -hmm. um they have such a good bond yeah because like they care about their people like more than any other jedi and like they're successful and it's just it's just a good all-around positive atmosphere yeah you only really see that with the the only other battalion that that happens with is sort of the wolf pack. That's like the only other battalion you really see it with because they actually have a name, the wolf pack, which is the one Oh fourth attack battalion under Plo Koon. And they sort of have that dynamic, but we don't really get that a lot because we don't ever follow them. No. And when they do show up, you're like, Oh my God, it's the wolf pack. That's, <laughs> yeah, it's just a dope name too. Um, and so it's, it's cool because she sees Rex who's one of her first mentors because like when she shows up in the Clone Wars movie she's like she's like I'm a commander and you're a captain that means I outrank you right and this is when Ahsoka is annoying and everybody hated her and Rex is like experience outranks everything which makes it so awesome when he continues he calls her he's like good to have you back commander she's like Rex you don't need to call me that he's like sure thing commander because like this shows like he respects the experience Ahsoka has had and like the time she spent alongside of them, which like comes full circle. Like she now has Rex's respect as like a superior and like an equal and like an, oh my god, it's just beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful scene. Dave I mean, when they say loyalty means everything to the clones, it hasn't happened yet, but it hurts because you know how loyal the clones are to their Jedi, and you know we know how it's going to end and it just it's gut-wrenching god but it's <sighs> yeah yeah i get emotional i when i watched it with dad last night there was so many times throughout all four episodes there's at least like one time in each episode where i try not to get emotional and i was trying so hard not to last night because i was watching it with mom and dad and i was like god damn it why do you guys have to be here right now <laughs> yeah they're like we want to watch it with you it's like i'm gonna cry <laughs> it's like, dad, yeah you- dad wanted to watch it mom she 
I think I'd have to I'd have to like sit down and explain a lot of it to her. Yeah, mom asks a lot of questions because she wants to be like up to date on. It. She's like, so "What? Who are these people?" Yeah, no. Same with dad. Both of them, and especially how far the show is. Like, yeah. it's the last. It's the last part of the show. So both of them were incredibly far behind. Yeah, they, they were about seven seasons behind. Don't really, don't really blame them for asking questions. But um, but. so like this part is really where we see like the official start of Revenge of the Sith because the uh, it's it's the Imperial sirens. It's like because Durr. because the Republic signs have different sounds than the Imperial ones, but it's the Imperial sirens that we hear in the ship, and it's officially the start of Revenge of the Sith. Because they're like, oh my god, we're about to go to light speed. Obi-Wan runs in, they're like, and Anakin's like, was the siege on Mandalore approved? Or was the attack on Mandalore approved? He's like, no. General Grievous has attacked Coruscant. Um, Shakti has been sent to protect the Chancellor, but they lost contact with her. We need to go back right now. And Ahsoka is not having it and this is why i have ahsoka over obi-wan on my top 10 jedi list not favorite characters i need to explain this obi-wan is my favorite character but ahsoka is a better jedi than obi-wan for this reason it's the politics of the situation and she's like she's like what do you mean we have to go back he's like and obi-wan kenobi's like he's like this is a pivotal moment in the Clone Wars. He's like, no, you're playing politics. This is why the people have lost faith in the Jedi. I had to until I was reminded what the order means to people who really need us. And Obi-Wan says, Coruscant needs us. And she says, no, the Chancellor does. And he's like, that's not, that's fair. not fair. And she's like, I wasn't trying to be. And I'm like, this is it's it's beautiful because she's not not she's not wrong with anything she said. Like the reason they're going back is because they have the Chancellor. And like that's not what the Jedi are there for. The Jedi are a neutral organization that help out for the good of all people. Just because one guy was captured does not mean you divert all of your Jedi to save that one guy who is a political figure of a party. The Jedi are there to help the good of the people. And Mandalore was being oppressed by a crime lord forever. The Separatists did not show up to launch an attack on all of the people of Coruscant. They showed up to take the Chancellor of the Republic. That's what I, I don't know. That's just it's just my thoughts i understand everybody has different opinions they think obi-wan's the greatest jedi of all time i wouldn't disagree like that's that's fine it's not a bad pick this is just why i have ahsoka above this because she sees like all she sees through the bs immediately this is politics this isn't like this is where i feel like i need to be so that yeah yeah i i don't really know how i feel about it because i maybe grievous would have invaded coruscant and you never know so i get why obi-wan wanted to go there it's he's between a rock and a hard place so i don't blame him for choosing to go save the chancellor so and then they're like well we need to go help the people of mandalore and anakin's like anakin's like right here like he's trying to play mediator between ahsoka and obi-wan because he loves ahsoka because that's his um apprentice his mentee like the person who he like helped develop but he about his student she's his student and he also cares about his mentor obi-wan who's basically like a brother to him so he's trying to make this worth he's like well we can split up the 501st and they are now the th- the company that goes with the is the 332nd company um shout out the boys the boys of the 332nd yeah. um and he's trying so hard. He's like, so they promote Rex to Commander Rex. And you and I were like, yeah. And then like we sat there and you're like, he deserves it. But like, 
Commander Rex sounds way less cool than Captain Rex. That's just because yeah. we got used to it. But um, it is cool. And um, it's kind of nice because, like, while Obi-Wan was kind of a hard ass on, like, we have to go save the Chancellor. He's like, he's he's like his last interaction with Ahsoka here is like, is this like a soft one? He's like, it's like on that note, if you're going to go get Maul, I suggest you capture him. He tends not to stay dead. And like, it's not he's not like like Ahsoka and Obi-Wan never harbor hard feelings toward each other. They just have differing ideological opinions, which is really yeah. good to see. Um, and then um, Anakin and Ahsoka, like they have their last scene because Anakin presents her with a box and she's like, she opens it and it's her lightsabers. Um, he made them blue. I don't know why he made them blue. Um, it's because his is a blue lightsaber. Yeah, but she'll eventually turn them white like in the. Well, Man- she'll eventually make new ones. Oh, well, yeah, she'll make new ones. That's right. Um, and like the Yoda song is playing between like two of them, like, like when they're on Dagobah. And it's like it's just like a mentorship thing. He's like because he's sending her off into like he's like because this is their last scene they ever have together is Anakin and Ahsoka. The next time Ahsoka sees Anakin is when he is Darth Vader on Malachor in Rebels. So mm-hmm. it's really sad. And like they get like because she like she think like whatever she he gives it to her she's like he she's running off because she's like last time i saw anakin he was running off to save the chancellor and like she turns around he's like what did she say to him she says anakin and he like stops and he turns and he like nods and she's like good, good luck. luck and he goes he just nods he's got that classic anakin skywalker smile he's, then he just runs off and it's yeah. just so sad because like you're like she doesn't know what's gonna happen like she thinks she's just gonna see him yeah, she thinks she's going to see him back on Coruscant. Uh, it's just like, God. It's yeah. the last, well, it's the last scene with Anakin and Ahsoka. Not with Obi-Wan and Ahsoka. But. No. Yeah, we get more Obi-Wan. But this is when the action starts to pick up. Because this has been a lot of, like, plot set up. We get the scene of the invasion of Mandalore. And, like, it immediately starts with, like, pounding drums and an absolute banger of a score. Mm-hmm. With the, they're bringing in ATTEs like on transports. There, a bunch of gunships are flying down. Oh my god! Nasoka goes goat mode during this invasion sequence. Do you want to talk about this? Because I feel like I've been talking forever. Yeah, no. So when they're going to invade on Mandalore, it's just you see the current prime minister, who his name is Almec, and. He he gets mad at Bo-Katan and Ahsoka because Mandalore is declared as a neutral planet, as I said earlier. So he knows that, that the Republic invading and having a, a garrison arrive on Mandalore is breaking treaties that have been that have been signed for like thousands of generations. So he has to send out defenses since the Republic is coming to capture Maul because Almec is basically a puppet and Maul is the puppet master. Maul can't be the current, like he can't be out of the shadows. He has to stay behind the scenes and rule Mandalore or else it's just, it'll draw too much attention to him. So he has Almec, who is a Mandalorian, sort of be the prime minister while Maul works behind the scenes. But so Almec sends out some defenses and you get this amazing fight between ahsoka and the i'll just call them red mandalorians the there's two different mandalorians throughout this arc you have the ones in blue who are the good guys and you have the ones in the red who sort of wear mauls 
colors and they're just the bad guys throughout this and you get this amazing fight in the air while the ships are coming down while the LAATs are coming down to land on Mandalore and the ATTs are coming down to land and the Mandalorians are all fighting out in the air with their jetpacks and so are the clones because they all pack jetpacks and Captain Rex didn't bring, or Commander Rex he didn't bring one for Ahsoka so she she has to find a way to get down to the surface because their ship is being attacked and all the other ships around them are being attacked as well as they're going down. So she has to try and find a way to intervene and help. So this is amazing battle and fight sequence where Ahsoka is just fighting through the air. She's jumping from ship to ship and jumping on different Mandalorian jetpacks, And she never kills anyone throughout this fight. She always like cuts their blasters off or like cuts their jetpack and sort of like uses the force to like knock them out in a way where she doesn't kill anyone throughout this scene, which is great because she, she doesn't want to be responsible for the death of anyone at this point, which I think is amazing. And there's this final scene where in this fight sequence where they're going down to land on the planet and there's a pilot who his ship has been attacked badly and he's stuck in his cockpit and he's going to crash and he can't, he doesn't have any control over his ship. She force jumps onto his ship and she cuts open the glass so he can launch out. And you never see a Jedi say, you never see the pilots survive. They always, they always get blown. Die. Yeah. The pilots always just die whenever they're flying a ship. Unfortunately, like oddball from revenge of the Sith. RIP oddball. He was a legend in the Clone Wars doing all the bombing runs, but pilots in the Clone Wars never really seem to make it out alive. But she saves him, and it's 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 a nice little, oh, she actually saved a pilot because you never see them actually make it out alive. And then she jumps off of the ship and lands, finally lands then on, in the city on Mandalore. And it's this beautiful shot. The ship blows up behind her and she has her two lightsabers out. And the music that's playing throughout the whole scene, it's just, it's gorgeous. It's its a perfect, perfect fight scene, especially for the Clone Wars. Because she's just embracing what a Jedi should be, where she's fighting for the right reasons. She's not killing anyone and just, oh, its it's so hard for me to explain. But the way she lands in the the ship blowing up in the background with the music blaring over it's so amazing it makes it made me so happy to see that because i i just i can't even explain it it was just such a beautiful scene but we get to the city of mandalore the city on mandalore i don't remember what the city was called it was like the city of zendari yeah and we go into the city and we see more fighting going on, which which is fine and everything. But the reason that they're there is to find Maul. So I'm trying to think, how did they find Maul? Where well, Maul was? The, well, the first thing they're like they land and like there's a siege going on, and Bo-Katan is talking with Rex and Ahsoka. She's like, "We need to find Maul," and she goes off to do something, and Rex is like, "I really hope he's here." Because all of this will be for nothing if Maul's not here. And at this point, you and I had turned to each other. We're like, what if Maul isn't even here? And like, this was a fake out to make the Republic look bad or something. So like at this point, we're like, what if this is a fake out? It didn't turn out to be a fake out. But like, we were like, this was like, I was like, holy, because like, I was like, holy crap, this could be crazy. Turns out it wasn't. Um, they go down to the lower city 
because um, they get a call from Captain Vaughn, CT0292. Um, <laughs> and he's like, they go down. He's like, it's a system of tunnels down there. Um, yada, yada, yada. So she goes down there. Captain Vaughn dies. Um, and it's, it's essentially Ahsoka's like, isolated from all of the other clones and like the the red mandalorians are surrounding her and, I, and then like because then there's four tunnels she's in this little like i guess little conduit connecting place there are four tunnels there are mandalorians in each tunnel in three of the tunnels and then she looks at the fourth one also and you see walking like you see your heavy metal footsteps and you see the silhouette of maul show up and he walks out and he says i was hoping for kenobi why are you here? And it's oh my Sam Witwer deserves all of the awards you can possibly give a voice actor for his performance during the Siege of Mandalore because it's it's gorgeous. It's it's beautiful. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's yeah. It's only he only really gets lines because he this is the only line he gets this episode because the episode ends here then when Ahsoka and him are when ahsoka is confronting him with all of the red mandalorians surrounding her he only really gets dialogue for this next episode and then the following one and then like that's about it but he should get every award that you could get for voice acting because he does such a great job in this next episode which is the phantom apprentice which i think it's it's the greatest clone wars episode it's the greatest storytelling episode in clone wars oh man but we're only we only are one quarter of the way through this by the way we're we're just starting on the second episode of the siege of mandalore arc yeah it's crazy we, that's how it's, good the show is it, it's 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 great but it picks up right where it ended where maul had said that to ahsoka and the confrontation begins where Maul's he doesn't really know who Ahsoka is. They have a couple mutual friends. He says that to her and it's them sort of just like feeling out and understanding who each other are. But at first Ahsoka knows a bit more about Maul than Maul knows about Ahsoka because Maul's only been consumed with Obi-Wan for a majority of this time. But he was hoping that Obi-Wan would show up and he says this because he he says to Ahsoka, I was hoping Kenobi would come and bring his loyal dog, Skywalker, because he wants Anakin to show up, which he he explains later why he wants Skywalker to show up. But Ahsoka's like, well, why don't you just surrender yourself and we can bring you back to the council and you can ask Obi-Wan yourself why he didn't come here in person. And Maul has this great line where he's like, the moment may be upon us. And he's talking about Darth Sidious. And for those of you who aren't familiar, because they kind of did like a bad job of it, explaining it, they did it in the comics, but Maul got captured by Darth Sidious, who is Palpatine and Palpatine used to be Maul's master in the Phantom Menace. And prior to that. So in the clone wars, we see Palpatine capture Maul because he builds this criminal empire that is way too large and it draws way too much attention to himself. And then in the comics, it just shows how Sidious and Count Duke were sort of torturing Maul and trying to get information out of him for some reason. 
and the whole comic arc is about Maul escaping and fighting Dooku and Sidious and Grievous. But he says to Ahsoka that the Jedi and Republic are falling under the sort of they're being controlled by like the whole war is being controlled by someone named Darth Sidious. And that's the first, this is the first time we've heard someone say that since Obi-Wan heard that from Count Dooku on Geonosis in attack of the clones, which you see when Maul delivers this line to Ahsoka that how terrified he is of cities because he knows of Sidious's power and what he can do to just how manipulative he is as a character. And Maul isn't scared of like anything. Like Darth Maul isn't scared of anything, and he is openly terrified when he's saying talking about Darth Sidious. He's like, This man is pure evil, and he is scared of Darth Sidious. Like, this is that's how big this is when he's talking about this. It's crazy. It's yeah, it's cool because Maul has he's been alive now for 15 years since he was cut in half uh, in the phantom medicine. You just saw how mentally deranged he was and how crazy he was, but you never really saw him scared. But like at this point, like you see how dreaded Maul seems like he's, he's still the same Maul, but he has a different demeanor and a different attitude and emotion. And he's like scared and depressed and dreading, this moment that's about to occur that he has sort of had a vision in the shadows about. But yeah, it's, Oh my God. Just, just, I just can't get over how good this episode is because Maul gets away. And so Ahsoka like comes back and she meets with, um, Bo-Katan Rex and Obi-Wan over hologram. And this is when we get our first, um, overlap with revenge of the Sith, which makes it like really cool because like, it's always cool seeing Revenge of the Sith like, like, oh, yeah. So it's like Revenge, like, you know, going on, it's it's like they're occurring simultaneously. But like, it's cool seeing overlap because Kenobi's about to go to Geonosis at this point. You're like, oh, shoot, like we're at this point in Revenge of the Sith. Oh, my God, I know where we are. And they're like something about like we need to keep Maul or capture Maul. To, he can tell us more. He's like, well, what about Count Dooku? And Owen's like, well, Count Dooku's dead. Anakin killed him. We're saving the Chancellor. And like, I don't know why it's so cool to me, but like, if anybody says that, I'm like, oh man, this is so cool. Like, we're just learning about it as from like as secondhand information is almost like cooler than seeing it happen on screen. Well, yeah, because I mean, it's more Obi Wan scenes and footage, like the way that they're able to intertwine the story and because George Lucas never had the plan when revenge of the Sith came out to like have this story arc be made. I can't imagine that like this was in like his mind at all. So the way that they're able to, the way that they're so creative in art that they're able to intertwine this story and still have it fall in the timeline and not mess with anything in the current movie that exists. It's amazing because it just shows how creative and what they're able to do with what's already given to them. It's, it's amazing because it's more Obi-Wan footage. It's more Obi-Wan scenes during revenge of the Sith, even though this isn't the revenge of the Sith movie. It's yeah, it's crazy because like finding the right time to like insert Obi-Wan into this movie is like really key for like, cause you can't put Obi-Wan in at the wrong point. Like it's like, Oh, where, where's Obi-Wan right now? Like, well, we have to find a time where it would make sense where Obi-Wan have the chance to be talking to Ahsoka where we don't see him on screen 
and it has to make sense logically. It's not like he's going to be doing it while he's on Genos's tracking down General Grievous. Um, Udapau. And not Genosis. Um, Udapau. Jeez, I'm exhausted. Um, and this is where we also hear um, Obi-Wan telling Ahsoka that Anakin's on a special mission spying on Palpatine. And it's funny because Ahsoka had this exact same reaction that Anakin did when he found out he's, he's like, she's like, he's spying on the chancellor, his mentor and friend. And that's basically what Anakin said to him too. And Obi-Wan has this great line. Cause he's like, I want you to talk to him. She's like, I hardly think I'm the person who should be talking to him about this. And he's like, he's like, Obi-Wan says the council isn't always right, but that's why I need your help. And, um, sorry, I'm reading which I don't know if I wrote this or you wrote this in the show notes. I so I it's nice because he said the council isn't always right, but that's why I need your help. And Ahsoka's like, I'm hardly the person she doesn't feel fit to be the person to say this to Anakin because she doesn't think that she needs to justify the council's actions. And it's nice because she says this, and the last time that we see Ahsoka, like her actual, like a, a good character arc for Ahsoka is the temple bombing that happens in the Clone Wars. And the Jedi Council and the Jedi Order sort of just like leave her as like the black sheep and they just like shun her away and make her on her own because they not they don't they don't frame her for the temple bombing. But Ahsoka gets framed for the Jedi Temple bombing and the Council is so quick to believe that she is the one who did it and they don't defend her at all. So when Obi-Wan says the Council isn't always right, I mean, it's they might not be referring to this specific part, but it's nice because it's like, well, yeah, the council definitely isn't right because of what they did with the Soka prior, like a year ago when they were like, sorry, but you probably bombed the Jedi temple. Not probably, but like they just were not helping her or being a good support system at all for her. And you see her frustrations with the council in the scene as well, because she's like, the council is very hypocritical and not right. A lot of the time. Yeah, and um, Obi-Wan sees the flaws, like, in the Jedi Order, like, since, like, he was with Qui-Gon Jinn, like, because Qui-Gon's, like, Council isn't right, Jedi Orders aren't always right, like, you need to be true to who you are, and you need to know in your soul what is right, like, through the Force. So, like, Obi-Wan can see this is wrong, he's like, I need to find a way to address this. It's nice because in this scene, while he's talking to Ahsoka about Palpatine and Anakin spying on her, the music that's playing in the background is Palpatine's music, it's, like, very soft it's a very soft tonal of Palpatine's theme music that plays in it's, it's a, it's a cool little reference to show how it's transitioning and showing how Palpatine is still sort of controlling everything and being manipulative of, of everything that's happening. But I, I think that's a great, just again, a little detail that happens in the show that I just think is great. Yeah. Um, and so like Ahsoka runs off, she says something like tell Anakin and only one goes, I will. I still don't know what like she meant, like probably like being the force be with you or something, but yeah, I never, I think I don't know what she meant by that either. I tried looking it up and like finding out, but I, it was just a lot of theories that people had. I think, yeah, I don't know. So we, like we uh, transition back to the undercity where, Oh my God, we get more peak mall um, where mall has Jesse. Um, and there's huge, um foreshadowing to order 66 because um Maul's like saying to Jesse, he's like, You are gonna tell me who 
like who is this is what like who Ahsoka Tano is what's going on and Jesse's like we can go around and around but I'm not telling you nothing it's cool because Jesse won't betray Ahsoka here but it's sad because later like when Order 66 happens Jesse is the guy leading the manhunt for Ahsoka and you're like yeah it's it's a bummer you you get this great dialogue in the undercity though with Maul and Jesse where um Maul is trying to get information out of Jesse and Jesse's like I'm not going to tell you anything and Sam Witwer's voice acting is great here because he's like clones bred for combat all part of the plan and Jesse's like what plan what are you talking about and then you get this great just dialogue from Sam Witwer the voice acting is great where he's like the plan the only plan that's ever mattered and then he talks about how Maul how Maul talks about how he was never made aware of this plan that Palpatine is that Sidious has set in motion and he was cast aside and how Palpatine forgot about him and how Maul blames Obi-Wan for him being cast aside and he blames Sidious for forgetting about him and he just has all this rage and anger built up in him and he talks about how he survived through everything that he went through and he says also then he's like I can thrive in the chaos that is to come and you see how Maul does thrive in the chaos that is to come because you see him in Solo where he's running Crimson Dawn and he's a crime lord still and he's thriving in the chaos that happens because of what happens when the Republic transitions into the Empire and it's sort of just it's not like free for all but it's also like there's not someone to look out and protect you from like the bad guys it's just sort of like all bad guy the world is just turned to scum and villainy the galaxy is turned into scum and villainy it's like the wild west like it's kill or be killed Mm-hmm. basically and it's it's great because maul realizes that once the galaxy shifts he can thrive in the chaos that is to come so it, i love that as well yeah and the last line you hear from maul when he's with jesse because he turns around and he looks and he's like now you're gonna tell me and he like like starts like probing jesse's mind you see jesse's in pain he's like tell me who is this ahsoka tano and like oh my god because he sends gar saxon one of the the leader of the red mandalorians to go kill prime minister almec who's in the sundari prison um well with maul when he was interrogating jesse as well it's a great again it's another uh callback to the force awakens when kylo ren is doing his not mind trick but he's extracting information out of poe dameron and he's trying to find out where bb-8 is you see that in live action and mm-hmm. they do the same thing in the Clone Wars as well with Cad Bane where Mace Windu, Obi-Wan and Anakin are trying to find out where the Jedi, excuse me, where the Jedi that have been stolen by Cad Bane are being taken to and they're sort of trying to extract information out of him. It's not like a Jedi that's mind more, trick, but that's a mind. That's like a forced mind trick with multiple Jedi. Like, like that was like a forced persuasion for them with Cad Bane, but this is Maul like ripping Jesse's mind apart because he's like, if you don't tell me your mind is going to crumble, crumble upon itself. So like Maul is just like, let me into your brain, otherwise I will break it. Yeah. And it's the same thing from The Force Awakens with Kylo mm-hmm. Ren and Poe, which I love. Exactly. Um so when we're in the Sundari prison, not a whole lot happens here besides like all Mike's like, oh I'm not gonna tell you anything. And immediately he gets capped by gark saxon and ahsoka's like what does maul want 
And like, what, what was Maul thinking about? He's like, he had a vision of a Jedi. And she's like, what Jedi? Who? And he's like, he just says Skywalker. And you hear the Vader theme after he says that. And like, Ahsoka's like, why does he want Anakin Skywalker? What's going on? Um, Because I remember at this point, you and I are like, what is Maul's like plan here? Because like, yeah, we know What's like his end goal. Because like we know where Anakin ends up, but we're like, why does Maul want Anakin so badly? Yeah, um, because you see the dread and the guilt on Maul like throughout this whole time while he's interrogating Jesse and everything. Because it's again, it's not the same. Like, because Maul is usually this powerful. Animal. Yeah, he's this powerful animal and this menace that you can feel his presence on the screen. And he's still that same Maul in this arc, but he's different as well because he's he knows what's going to come and he's dreading it and he's terrified of it as well. And he has this, he had this vision of Anakin Skywalker and he wants, he's mad because he wanted Obi-Wan to come to Mandalore with Anakin. Well, let's talk about, Hey, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. We're getting there. No, I know. I just, yeah, I don't want to get too far into that. Um, so like we're back in the underworld mall rallies, the insurgent forces to go fight to like make a distraction but like we see like because maul's telling the crime syndicate to go to back to go into hiding so we see like the black sun syndicate the pikes which you lost your mind over because you love the pikes for some reason and we see dryden voss from solo who's the leader of crimson dawn so that was a really cool cameo mm-hmm. like oh my god it's dryden voss yeah it was it's a cool continuity thing that they still show which again it's the little things that are just really cool that you get to see exactly but so this all plays into probably the greatest scene, well, easily the greatest scene in Clone Wars and potentially the greatest scene in all of Star Wars in the throne room on of Sundari where like um, Rex, Bo-Katan, and Ahsoka are walking into the throne room. They're like, we need to find something or another, but like Maul's like, he's sitting there and he's like, I agree. I I. <laughs> that's a that's a very stupid inside joke between the two of us. Yeah, it's an uh, inside joke between Cal and I. But um, yeah, no. I, before we get into the throne room, Ahsoka and Bo-Katan and Rex are talking, and Bo-Katan's mad because they still haven't captured Maul yet, and she doesn't want the Republic force to still stay there. But Ahsoka and Rex are like, we don't want to be here either, but we need to capture Maul before we leave, and. But Ahsoka says, she's like, once we capture Maul, you'll have your chance to lead as a ruler. And that's when we get into the throne room and Maul's like, I agree. Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, so this scene is like, oh, it's like poetry. It rhymes, but not even. It's like, it's a, I think it's on a level of its own. Like there are really good scenes you see in all of Star Wars. Like, oh, that's heartwarming. Da, 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 oh, that's really cool. But like, this is just like, this elevates to a different level because for those of you who are mall fans, this is what you could, this is what you could, this is all you could hope for with the mall scene. It's such a great scene with mall. This is a mall gasm scene. It's it so is. good because you walk in, they walk into the throne room and they see mall with Jesse at his right, like the right side, complete straight callback to when Obi-Wan gets dragged into the, throne room when he was on mandalore fighting maul's insurgency and satine is there at his side and you see maul kill satine so immediately when he's there you and i are like oh jesse's toast yeah this is I game over jesse for jesse was gonna die 
yeah, we were like, oh god, Jesse's gonna die. And so Maul, like, there's like he like releases Jesse's binders. He's like, all right, go back to your friends. And he's running back, and you and I are sitting there like holding our breath because like, God, I hope Maul doesn't pull him back. And he cuts his head off. Jesse gets back, so Rex and Jesse leave the throne room. It is now Ahsoka, Bo-Katan, and Maul in the throne room. Right after this, a huge explosion goes outside. There are Mandalorians fighting all each other. Like the red Mandalorians show up and they're fighting the clones and the blue Mandalorians. And Maul's like, one of you might want to go deal with that. So Bo-Katan runs out. And now it's just Maul and Ahsoka. And at this point, we get peak Maul in like any piece of Star Wars content. Mm -hmm. Because he provides the most attractive join me and fight pitch in any star Wars media because like Maul's like looking out the window at the fight. And so like, what's going on? He's like, looking Maul's like, he's like, look at these clones. So blissfully ignorant of their purpose. And so like, what's going on right now? And he's like, you were cast out from the Jedi, right? Is that correct? She's like, I left on my own accord. He's like, he's like, yes, but you were motivated to leave by the hypocrisy of the Jedi. And she's like, yeah, you're kind of right. He's like, and he, what else does he say in this? Because I know it's like, he, I remember the hypocrisy of the Jedi. What does he say after that? Yeah. He says, no, but you were motivated by the hypocrisy of the Jedi order to leave. And she's like, I left. She, after she had said, I left voluntarily. She says to him, then I'm here to bring you to justice. And then Maul says to her, he's like, justice is merely the construct of the current power base, a base by which, according to my calculations, is about to change. And she says, uh, Ahsoka says to him, and Darth Sidious is behind it. And then you see, again, Maul's demeanor change and he's terrified. just guilty. He's terrified. He's dread. And he's like, he is behind everything. And soon, very soon, but soon, very soon, he will reveal himself. And Ahsoka's like, with your help, the Jedi can stop him before it's too late. And you get this again amazing voice acting like from Sam Witwer, where he's like, too late for what? The Republic to fall? It already has, and you can't see it yet. There is no law, there is no justice, except for the one that will replace it. The time of the Jedi has passed. They cannot defeat Sidious alone, but together, you and I can. And I'm pretty and sure that's like I'm pretty sure that's like verbatim what Maul said. That is exactly right? verbatim because like once you started it, I was mouthing the same words as you were because I was reliving the scene in my head. And then we get this super dope. So we get this super dope, like because the glass in the all of the throne room, like like the side with the battles explodes, and like it's like a slow motion turn where yeah. the camera shifts like three, like 180 degrees from where it was at to a new location and i learned about this in my film class that i took here at the university um so there's what they call like it's called film continuity so like when there are two characters like talking to each other the camera normally will pan back and forth at like 100 like or like an, at an angle where it like like it's like almost that like you're at a table sitting watching them talk so like it's not disorienting for the viewer like if because of like i'm like say like i'm sitting at a table and someone is on my right and my left. Person one is on my right and person two is on my left. Like it's easy for them. Like, so person one will always be on like the right orientation side of the camera. Person two will always be on the left orientation side of the camera. Just cause like, otherwise like it gets confusing for your brain. Cause like we watched clips, like examples of it where this like a hundred, like this 180 degree line 
is broken. Like it's like shifting around all the time and it's really confusing and it's only broken and it's only changed when like big shifts happen. So like while this happens, so this, the glass explodes and like the camera shifts its location to where person one is now on our left side and person two is now on our right side. So like when we are like talking between mall and Ahsoka, Maul is person two and person two is on our left and person one Ahsoka is on our right. After this happens, because Maul, like, he, like, finishes this beautiful monologue in exchange with Ahsoka, the glass explodes and it shifts um, perspective. And now Ahsoka is on our left and Maul is on our right. Because before, Maul was on the left and Ahsoka was on the right. And she says, I will help you. And you and I are like, what? Yeah, I didn't expect Ahsoka to, like, uh, to help him because he's holding his hand out to her. And again, we see this all the time where you see it with uh, Dooku and Obi-Wan, where Dooku's trying to get Obi-Wan to join him when he talks about Sidious and Dooku's like, we can destroy the Sith. This is an attack of the clones. Um, you see it in The Empire Strikes Back with Luke and Vader, and you see it in The Last Jedi with Kylo Ren and Rey. And then you, we see it in this as well with Maul and Ahsoka, and Maul makes the best argument because... Like, as I was quoting the line earlier, he's like, too late for what? The Republic to fall, it already has, and you just can't see it yet. It's like, that's true. The Republic sort of is not what it is meant to be. Yeah. And she says, I will help you. Um, and she's like, but I I need to know one thing. And he's like, you have but to ask. And Maul's like, but you have but to ask. And she says, she's like, what do you want with Anakin Skywalker? And you see, this is like where Maul's like, he is the key to everything. And she's like, to bring balance to the force. And he says, to destroy, to destroy it. And she's like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, he's long been groomed to be my master's new apprentice. She's like, you lie. You're lying. He's like, and then he says something else. Um, But she's like, your vision is flawed. She's like, she's like, I know Anakin. He wouldn't do that. Your vision is flawed. And then we get another awesome because like so because Maul reveals he's like I staged this whole siege to get um Obi-Wan to come and to bring Anakin. So like we learn Maul isn't even after Kenobi on this. He wants Sky. He wants to kill Anakin Skywalker to deprive Sidious of his prized new apprentice. Mm -hmm. And this is when Ahsoka's like you're lying i know anakin he would never do such a thing your vision is flawed and then maul's sitting there he's looking he's like i see the padawan needs one last lesson and so this is where we get the battle of the apprentice like the forsaken apprentices where maul is the forsaken apprentice of sidious and ahsoka is the banished apprentice of anakin skywalker and it's awesome because ray park was brought in to do motion capture for the siege of mandalore for like this fight and you can see from this like get go when he starts like when they start the fight you can see like ray parks action mannerisms through darth maul similar to phantom menace when he did that because i remember when this happened you and i like this looks so cool this looks so good we're losing our mind well even with the the actress who did motion capture for ahsoka as well her fights her combat stances and the way she was fighting was amazing as well like i that's like not no, exactly. Shy, not to 
like bash on Ray Park, but I mean to shine light on the actress who did it for, I don't know who did it for Ahsoka's mocap, but this is the only fight in the entire Clone Wars uh, cartoon as well where they used motion capture for a fight. So it, you can tell that they did motion capture for this fight because of the way it feels so realistic and just how it doesn't feel like a cartoon fight. It feels like an actual like lightsaber combat fight that you would see in the movies. So the, the moves that they do for this motion capture are incredible it's it it feels so realistic yeah it's oh my god it's beautiful and like ahsoka's like kind of taking him to town she's like like, you're lucky anakin didn't show up because you the way you're fighting you wouldn't have lasted long and maul doesn't like it he like pins her down on the ground and she does a i trained jujitsu so she does a beautiful overhead sweep hands on the feet on the hips completely kicks some overhead out the window like wow that was a beautiful sweep (laughs) But um, so now like now we get classic Darth Maul whenever s- stuff goes south for him. He just starts running away. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of funny because like so we pay, like Ahsoka's chasing him and Maul's up in the rafters and Gar Saxon and the other red Mandalorians who had staged like the last insurgent fight against all of the blue Mandalorians and the um, 332nd company. They're like, Lord Maul, we need reinforcements. We're being overrun. He's like, Maul's up there. He's like, I think not. Die well, Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, mm, I think not. Any moment my ship is about to arrive. Die well, Mandalorian. Like, what? I think that's hilarious that he's just like, die well, Mandalorian. <laughs> it's just, it's such a, like, that's such a gangster line to like sign off with him. Like, somebody like, yep, yep. Sorry. Die well, Mandalorian. I, I think that's hilarious that Maul just decided to say that um yeah Guys. but so so maul is up in the rafters while he says this he's up in the rafter because because the city of sundari is like sort of like a glass dome city and like at the very top there's rafters and there's there's light that shines through so maul is up on the rafters and ahsoka makes her way up there you get this final fight between them in this episode which is a great fight because they're like hundreds and hundreds of feet above like ground they're fighting on these thin beams and it's this fight obviously is a motion captured but the way that they fight and it's just it's creative because you never really see jedi fight like on balance beams so it's a very cool dynamic to see lie we see it in revenge of the sith (laughs) okay they literally are on that beam for like three seconds and they jump off they get like one swing in each, but they actually fight on this, which is really cool. And Maul actually loses this fight too, which I was not expecting to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So Maul loses and Ahsoka's holding him in the air with the force. And Sam Witwer puts in like the greatest lines. He is just Maul is screaming bloody murder. Like he is shrieking he's like he's like no let me go let me go let me die don't save me you have no clue what you're doing we are all going to burn we are all going to die and he is screaming i'm not going to do that on microphone yeah it's going to destroy your ears and i won't do it justice yeah no but at this point like all like the clone troopers have come up and like uh gunships Mm -hmm. and they're all open because they see that ahsoka and maul are fighting up in the rafters and like they're on their way to capture Maul and not let him escape. And he screams, he's like, we're all going to burn. We're all going to die. And they capture him. And he's like, you don't know what you're doing. And they stun him. And he like just sort of 
he goes limp then and they capture him and it's like it's it gives you chills the way that sam Witwer like gives these lines because it's intense you're like holy crap this is when maul is scared and he's screaming like this it's it's intense yeah because maul maul doesn't get scared about stuff maul is a crazy man with horns on his head who survived after being chopped in half and lived on a junk planet and when maul is scared it is really big (laughs) yeah it's it's insane the lines are great he's like he's like because he immediately says once he's about to fall to the ground and ahsoka's holding he's like let me go let me die and it's like he he would do he would rather die instead of go back to sidious and be his prisoner again and it's it's amazing i love that um it's kind of crazy how like Maul never decided to tell anybody that Sidious was also Palpatine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe he just never knew. Maybe he decided not to put two and two together. Maybe he's just like, oh, how about that? You guys look a lot yeah. alike. Maybe he's like the rest of the Jedi. Dumb. Yeah. Um, but I, I really like the ending shot of this episode where like Ahsoka's like looking through the hole where the ship had showed up to pick up Maul. She's like, look, it's just so cool. Like she is the focus and like everything else below, like all the explosions are like blurring behind her. It was just really cool. Um, but yeah, so ends the greatest episode in all of Clone Wars history. Also the highest rated episode of television ever on IMDb. Is I think it? so, right? I think so. Right? It's, I think it's the highest rated cartoon episode on IMDb. I'm not certain, but that was those are the first two episodes of the Siege of Mandalore. That was the Phantom Apprentice and well, Cal looks this up. I'm going to set the scene for the third one which the third episode for this arc is called shattered. Did you it's, find an answer? It is number five. Um, the f- number five is the phantom apprentice and number four is the f- final episode of the clone wars. Ah, well, makes sense of like all of television. Yeah. All of television. Um, yeah. Yeah. So this just shows how, how amazing this show is. I, I, so so we get to the, because the first episode, this isn't to bad. The first episode of this arc is amazing. Like it, it's like a 10 out of 10 episode, but the rest of these episodes are so good where they're like 11 out of 10s. It's just insane. So with the third episode, it's called shattered. The first, the Phantom Apprentice, the episode prior to this, I'd say is the best storytelling episode in all stars. And it gives the best plot and just great performances all around. The third episode of this arc, Shattered, is the most dreadful moment in all of Star Wars, and it's it's just one of the worst moments as a fan that you could probably have to go through. It's heartbreaking because, because the title for this episode is like as well the the cap the description for this episode is as Ahsoka uh, goes to bring Maul back to Coruscant, Order sixty six is executed. So and we're you like, know it's oh, you, it's happening. So you know it's like. Sh- shit this is gonna happen this episode so the whole time we were we like we were just like watching it like you're like shit like trembling because like oh my god it's about to happen it's about to happen we didn't know when but no they take their time building up to it they took their sweet old time building up to it and boy did it deliver but you want to talk about the start of the episode well see the episode opens where ahsoka had captured maul and they're trying to get him in a containment field so he can't escape and we get this really nice overlapping scene again with revenge of the sith 
where um there's a Jedi Council meeting where Mace Windu is talking with Yoda, Ayla Sakura, Kiati Mundi. And that's it, right? I said Yoda, right? Yeah, you said Yoda. Yeah. And uh it it picks up where Mace Windu says he's like uh what does he say? He says, I sense a plot to destroy the Jedi. The dark side of the force surrounds the Chancellor. And Kiati Mundi says something where he's like, not, if, if he, he does not give up yeah. if he does not give up his emergency power after the death of Grievous, then he should be removed from office. And Yoda's like, to a dark place, this takes us grave care we must take. And then in Revenge of the Sith, that's where the scene ends, and we cut to Anakin going to Palpatine. But with this, we the scene continues. And again, this is where I love how creative they can get with it. It picks up where Ahsoka walks in then to this council meeting that's happening. And she's telling how she has captured Maul at this point. So I didn't explain this as well, but before she goes in this meeting, she was expecting Anakin to be at this meeting so she could bring up the fact that Maul was hoping for Anakin to come to Mandalore so he could kill him. And Ahsoka was going into this meeting thinking that Anakin was going to be there because she was told he was. But then at this point, Anakin is being sent to go talk to the Chancellor about the death of General Grievous. So... She enters this meeting and she sees Mace Windu, Kiari Mundiela, Sakura, and Yoda. And she's talking about how she had did this, she had did her duty and she's done her service. And Yoda's like, you've done a great service to the Republic and to the Jedi. And she's like, I'm not a part of the Jedi. And she's like, I'm still a citizen. I am not willing to commit myself back to the Jedi order yet. And they they say I don't remember what Mace Windu says, but they're like we have to see how the how the Chancellor reacts to this information, and she's like, well, why is that? And then you get this Mace Windu being a complete dickhead, where he's like, I'm sorry, citizen, these matters are for the council to to discuss because Ahsoka says that she did her job as a citizen of the Republic. This is why Mace Windu sucks as a Jedi. He's playing politics. He's being rude, and they ah, this is why I can't stand Mace Windu. If you want to keep going, I'll let no. you. <laughs> no, I'm not going to keep going. I can't go on Mace Windu tangents every single episode we record because he sucks. He's rude. He's not a, what a Jedi should be. Well, I think this is what I think this is your time on why you should do it because this is exactly why Mace Windu isn't a good Jedi. Exactly. Oh my god, Yoda shows in the end of the scene where like everybody, all the other Jedi log off the call, and Yoda's just like, "Ahsoka, do you have anything to say? A message for Skywalker?" Um, and he like. Clear, still clearly cares about her. He's like, hey, we screwed up. I still care about you as a Padawan. He still calls her Padawan. Mm-hmm. And she's not a part of the Jedi. Like, that's like still like like from coming from Yoda, that's like the clones calling her commander. Like Yoda's like, young Padawan, are you okay? Like he's like still sees her as like a youngling that he cares about, like a student that he wants to help develop. And Mace Wind is like, sorry, citizen, you're not a part of my club anymore. You gotta get out of here. Why do you care? These are military matters about the the inner political workings of the Senate. It's like, shut up. You are not what a Jedi should be. This not this compa- Jedi act out of compassion. They see things they when they do wrong, they accept it and they move on. Mace Windu sucks. I hate Mace Windu. Yeah, I don't remember the role that he played during the temple bombing and like what he did to help Ahsoka and what he, he did to not. Uh, well, I know he didn't do anything to help Ahsoka, but I mean like what he did to not help her out. I don't remember what he did, but I don't think it was much. I think he did a lot to like cast her aside. He did. So 
it's like yeah f you too mace windu i mean yeah he's dope and it's samuel jackson but it's like okay the character of mace windu though is like flawed and it's yeah i hate mace windu i think that's the point he's supposed to represent like what the jedi are not supposed to be exactly yeah that's i've been i've been banging this drum by myself forever but well i don't disagree but i mean like it's mace windu and come on you can't Oh my god, yeah, he's cool and he's powerful, yada yada yada. You can yada. hate on him, but I mean, like, he's got some dope scenes where, like, you know, okay, yeah, on the does. Battle of Anaxis where he drops on in and he's like... I'm Mace Windu. Yeah, it's it's dope. <laughs> okay, and, yeah, he's cool, but, like, he sucks. He also sucks. He's fun to play as in Battlefront 2, 2005. He's probably the most OP Jedi in that game. It's fun to play as him. Still doesn't excuse the fact that he's rude. He has actually, he has a great scene in the old Star... It's like Star Wars, A Clone Wars, or Clone War that old cartoon the yeah i gotta watch that the two-dimensional animation he's a great scene in that where he's like speed bagging a super battle droid where he's like just punching them all with his fists it's it's hilarious but anyways <laughs> i'd have um, to send i'll have to send it to you it's so funny no i know i, was, I know yeah he just like goes complete like yeah, he's speed like speed bagging yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's hilarious it's ridiculous but so that's how this ends. Yoda is like still nice to everybody logs off. And this is where like we get to the transport of Maul back to the Republic capital ship. And the music, the music changes. Like the music has all been very like der- Star Wars derivative, John Williams derivative music. This is where it changes to like Blade Runner, <gasps> excuse me, um, esque music where it's like, a lot more like synthesizer music where it's like it's it sounds a lot like because i remember we were wa- like i was watching this i was immediately I was like this sounds like i'm watching blade runner 2049 right now yeah i had at this point i hadn't seen blade runner yet so i didn't really know what you were talking about but once once i finally saw blade runner and like i've watched this again i was like oh i can see like the way that like the music is slow and it's synthesizing and it's just uh, the way in Blade, the Blade Runner world feels dark and grim, so it fits the music that plays in Blade Runner fits that very well. It's weird hearing that in Star Wars because it's not like visually, it's not coming across as like a dark world, but the music that they're playing is slow and like grimacing and just dreadful music because we know what this is building up to. Like exactly. we we know like the music and everything we know from the description of the episode where this is going to we just don't know when it's going to happen so hearing the music it's it's amazing because music I, I say this a lot but music does a great job of setting the scene and building emotion and throughout this whole siege of mandalore arc the music is it does a phenomenal job like there's so many i can name so many songs from this um, especially in the last episode, I can name two specific songs or three specific songs that, and they're not like when I say songs, I like singing, but musical Soundtrack. scores that are, yeah, yeah, scores that are just beautiful. And so this Blade Runner esque music is amazing. It just, it does a great job of setting this tone for what's about to happen. Um, and we, it's kind of cool because when they're transporting Maul, Maul's in like the Mandalorian Jedi box. So it call back to the Mandalorian Jedi Wars where like, they contain Jedi in like these boxes where they couldn't use the force or any of their power. Like they couldn't like call upon force energy. And Ahsoka's like, Oh my God, I can't believe you still have those. Like there's only one left. My that's what Bo-Katan says. She's like, there's only one left. My sister destroyed the rest of them, except this one. Like, wow, it's kind of lucky we grabbed that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But 
We yeah. cut then to the Republic Venator ship, and they're leaving Mandalore to go back to Coruscant to escort Maul. And you get the scene between Ahsoka and Rex where they're going to the bridge of the ship, and the clones are still saluting Ahsoka. And how we how it was said in the first episode, loyalty means everything to the clones. <sighs> I'm going to talk about that in a minute as well, but it's just, you still show how the clones respect Ahsoka and they know what she had done for the Jedi order and for the Republic and the sacrifices she made. And Ahsoka and Rex have this scene where they're talking and she's like, as a Jedi, we've been trained to be keepers of the peace, not soldiers, but all I've been since I've joined all I've, but all I've been since I've joined is a soldier. And you see how the war is, completely shifted it's not been like protecting those who need it it's been becoming a soldier and fighting these battles where it's like you shouldn't have to be doing this and you get this um this is ahsoka saying this and then it cuts to rex when he's talking with her and he says how without the war we clones wouldn't exist and it makes sense because we've grown with these clone troopers since the clone i mean since episode two but they've been fleshed out in this tv series and it's done a great job of making these clones have great personalities and individual like character arcs like waxer and boyle and fives and echo and rex and wolf and gregor and there's i can't even there's more to go i don't want to say fox i'm trying to think of the other one thorn um everybody hates commander fox yeah all my homies hate commander fox but I cut up. Uh, there's, I can't. This is just a couple that I'm thinking of right now. But there's heavy, heavy. There's so many. Co- Cody, even. It's just the Clone Wars did such a great job of fleshing out clone troopers as characters and not just making them like some dumb like army. Stormtrooper, like, a stormtrooper. Like they it doesn't matter who they are. Like you're given like the clones are like paint their helmets. They like they have a personality. Yeah, which is why like when we talked about in the bad batch how like immediately the clones are all like in white armor, there are no colors unless you're part of the Coruscant Guard shock troopers. Like it's cuz like it's hard seeing that cuz like the clones aren't like people anymore. They're just a part of a force that a, yeah. a faceless force. It's, and like yeah. It's a bummer, but so Rex had said without it we clones wouldn't exist and you get this great scene then with Ahsoka where she says the Republic couldn't ask for better soldiers nor I a better friend and it's just it's it, I say this is the most dreadful moment in all of Star Wars because then Rex uh, and Ahsoka get this call from one of the ship's captains and he's like uh, do you want to get the latest briefing? And Ahsoka's like, no, you can go. I'm sure it's just more new. It's more good news about Obi-Wan's engagement with General Grievous. So Rex goes to get the um, the briefing and I'll let you take it from here. Oh my God. So we like all of a sudden you, we pan back to Maul and Maul's in a containment ship in this containment box on the ship and like Maul's eyes open and you hear the same lines from Revenge of the Sith where like, Anakin is with Mace Windu and Palpatine in the in Palpatine's office and he's like you must choose and like Anakin's like he's like Mace Windu's like don't listen to him Anakin and Anakin's like I need him and Ahsoka senses it too she's like she's like holding her head and she's like what's going on and um like then you hear um Anakin you hear Anakin go no and then he cuts Mace Windu's hand off and you hear Palpatine screaming unlimited and then um 
uh, da, 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 it, da, it goes da. back to Anakin and he's like, what have I done? But it's Matt Lanter's because like all of those lines were ripped straight from Revenge of the Revenge Sith, of the Sith with Samuel L. Jackson, Ian McDermott and um, Hayden Christensen. But like, the what have I done line was re-recorded by Matt Lanter. And that's awesome. That's awesome mm-hmm. that they're like merging the two characters as one. And, I love that. And right after this happens, Palpatine sends the order. You see like the, the hologram pop up. Yeah, it cuts to Rex getting the briefing, and it's Palpatine as Darth Sidious now, and he says to him, execute Order 66, and people who know Star Wars know exactly what this means now. And Rex just goes, yes, Lord Sidious, and Ahsoka runs, she's like, Rex, something's happened with Anakin, I I feel it, and all of a sudden you hear, like, Rex is, like, sitting there trembling, and his helmet drops, and you hear, like, calm shatter on the helmet, and all the clones on the bridge turn and face Ahsoka and they pull out their guns. She's like, Rex, what's going on? They, the two clones pull up their behind um, Ahsoka, pull up their guns. And she's like, Rex, what's going on? And he's like, no, I'll do it. And he turns around and he's, she's like, Rex, what's happening? And he's like, stay back. And he, Rex pulls out his two pistols that pistols. he's used forever. He's he was- fighting. He's fighting the orders that have been given to him. So the reason, do you want to talk about it now or should we 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 save it? We should talk about it right now because this is like, the people are going to like, why is Rex attacking Ahsoka if you haven't seen Siege of Mandalore? But I mean, for those, I'm assuming everyone here has, but the the inhibitor chips that were put into the clones were supposed to like sort of keep them in line in case of like, they were like going to break free and sort of obey orders. Yeah. They're going to have a mutiny against the Jedi at any point. But what they didn't know is that the inhibitor chips are put in them were actually embedded with like a secret programming for the clones to turn against the Jedi that were built in by Sidious and the Kaminoans who created the clones. And the only people who know of this are Dooku, who is now dead, Palpatine and Lamasu and Nala Say, I believe. Right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, Those- it's just the Kaminoans involved with the. The high level Kaminoans, Dooku and Sidious. And Dooku is now dead at this point. So Sidious had made this clone army and he knew, he basically knew that the Jedi were going to sort the Republic was going to win this war, but he had to wait for the right moment for Anakin to turn to the dark side. And once he, once Anakin had made that turn to the dark side, he knew then to execute the protocol and the inhibitor chips that were in the clones uh, that were built into the clones and you then see once he gives the order execute order 66 that's when the clones are no longer themselves and their personality shifts completely to where it's not the same it's like it's the same clones that we've grown up with throughout this show but they're different people now because they're doing things that are being forced against them because they can't combat this programming that's built into their head with their inhibitor chips but so we see with rex he's doing everything that he can to fight against this programming and this the inhibitor chip that's built into his head he's doing everything he can but he knows that he can't stop it so he says to Ahsoka, he's like stay back find him find him fives find him fives and for those of you who have not seen the arc with fives there's a clone trooper named CT5555 who goes by the oh, name yeah. Fives. And he has un- he discovered the inhibitor chips 
and what their true purpose was. And he was trying to shed light on it to the Jedi Council, the Jedi Order, and to the Chancellor as well. But Fives didn't realize that the Chancellor was the person who was behind it. So the arc ends then with Fives getting killed and basically silencing him from this information and from spreading it. But the only people who sort of get like an idea of this are Anakin and Rex. So Rex is telling Ahsoka to find Fives. And Ahsoka at this point doesn't know really what fives had done so he's rex is telling her to find fives and you and i loved this because it's finally doing justice to fives's character like he knows about it and like he's telling ahsoka to find information about him but so then when rex says find him find fives his order 66 protocol just takes over completely and he starts firing at ahsoka and immediately when he starts firing it cuts to the music of Anakin's dark deeds from revenge of the Sith. And I broke down so hard when I first watched this. It's so sad because you don't want this scene to come. You don't want this to happen at all. No, it's heartbreaking. Cause like I cry when I, I always start to tear up when Rex is crying. Cause like Rex is crying as he's saying this to Ahsoka. like he's fighting. He's like, he knows what's about to happen. He can't, he can't stop it. And Rex is crying. And I'm like, I'm crying. He's crying. It's, We're all crying. it's so sad so ahsoka like tackles rex and sort of just knocks him out briefly and the two other clones are shooting at her she blocks their shots and kills them and she's she has no idea like the jedi have no idea what's going on right now because they didn't expect they didn't anticipate this to happen so anakin's dark deeds is playing and all these clones just swarm around her and she's doing everything she can to like block these shots and deflect and defend herself and she's able to like shoot all their blaster fire up into the ceiling so she can escape and figure out what's happening. But immediately once we like get order 66, it's the show just shifts completely. It's a different show. It's a tonal, tonally the show becomes different and it's dreadful. I remember watching it with when I was watching it with dad last night, he, he was very, very engaged in this. Like he wanted to stop after the phantom apprentice And I was like, no, we're watching the next episode because it gets very intense. And like when it happens, he was like, no. And I was like, and he's no. Yeah, he hasn't even seen all the Clone Wars. He probably never will. But no, he will. But the fact that like he's reacting like that, that's big. Mm -hmm. It's very big. It speaks volumes on how well that they did this scene and just how dreadful it is being like a star Wars fan. Cause you, you, no one wants this to happen, especially after watching the clone wars. You always think like every time, like in the bad batch, I'm like, well, maybe order six, like order six, order 66 happening. I'm like, Oh man, it's happening again. Like not again. Oh, no. Well, I want to, I want to talk about that briefly when we, once we finish up talking about all of this, but yeah. Um, so now when Ahsoka gets free of the attack by Rex and all the other guys, she gets freed. She goes to free mall. And like Maul's like, you have made a great choice. Together we can get out of here. And she's like, hold up, stop. I'm not with you. I need a diversion. And she really gets one because Maul goes force unleashed Sam Witwer mode on the whole um, Star Cruiser. And he's like, well, can you give me a fighting chance with a lightsaber? She's like, I'm not rooting for you. Now get going. Causing yeah, she, chaos. It's it's crazy because she like really could care less what happens to Maul. She just needs to like get a diversion, figure out what's happening and sort of acclimate to the new climate that has taken place. And 
I mean, Maul has to feel so vindicated, but like guilty at this point because like he's been predicting this to happen forever, and it's just, uh, oh, it's oh. I like I love I hate that I love I I love that I hate this episode, and when I say hate, it's not like I hate it because it's a great episode. It's it's such painful a, to watch. It's just so miserable to watch because I don't want this to happen, and any Star Wars fan will agree. Like. The moment Rex pulls out his blasters to shoot out Ahsoka, you're like, "John's done. It's over." You're like, "You're like, God damn it!" Like the Clone Wars is ending, and you don't want that to happen. All of the good times, the no one tells you in the golden years while you're in the golden years. They do not. And so now we have Ahsoka. She's Maul's free, causing chaos, and she's now sneaking around in the um, Star Cruiser like Obi Wan does when he's on the death star it was kind of cool so because like ahsoka's trying to figure out she's like okay rex told me find five so she goes into this like the astromech droid room and she finds r7 who's her droid from the original clone wars movie and like the first part of the series r7 is her astromech droid so it's a really cool like a callback to bring him back and they bring so they r7 like looks taps into this ship's computer base like the the holonet and it finds um the the case file on fives and she has to get into the case file using anakin's passcode um and there's a file put or a report filed by rex and rex is like i i owe it to fives i think i know this is going to fall on deaf ears but i think the inhibitor chips in our head have a greater purpose that we don't know yet i have to do it for fives that's what he said because fives died and ripped the homie fives yeah he actually gets justice because like nothing happened to fives really after he made this discovery it's like you and i were both like this is a lot people had a lot of complaints like so rex just doesn't care about fives like five because rex was with fives in his final moments and he like it's this beautiful death scene that fives gets and it's kind of like well rex doesn't like do anything about it and then a lot of people were complaining about that and the fact that they sort of wrap that story arc up in this scene showing that rex actually like did something about it and tried investigating it and he made like a recording about it and it wasn't just a private recording he tried like he filed a uh i don't remember like a log about it but it got locked down because of how much information that it was going to leak like it got silenced so it's by who the office of the chancellor yeah, Palpatine did not want that information getting out at all. We're lucky that he didn't kill Rex. Oh my god. CT7567. Yeah, honestly. If he would have killed Rex, I think Anakin would have like Oh, Anakin would like that's my homie, bro. Yeah. Um but so we flash back to Maul who's causing chaos on the ship and I don't think this is a hot take. I just think it's fact and people need to accept it. But Maul gets a hallway scene similar to how Darth Vader got a hallway scene in Rogue One. And I think it is way better than Vader's scene. It's a hot take. It is a hot take because that's a hot take. Vader's is cool. Yeah, because he's like, oh, it's like it's like, oh, look at him. He's in the like, it's cool. Like, because Vader destroys. But, like, Maul does all of this with the force. He doesn't have any lightsabers. He pulls panels from the wall. He crushes clones with the panels on the wall. He uses the block blaster bolts. He chucks the panel down the hall, decapitating like five clones. He pulls one of the clones arms through a blast door as it's closing and cuts the clones arm off. And he pulls like just the, the comm link on the clones um, arm off of the clones 
severed arm and puts it on his arm. And Maul just does not give a single. I'm not, I can't swear. I don't want to. I don't want to swear because I want to make sure we stay not explicit so we get money. <laughs> he does not care at all. He's just like I am going to kill every single one of you because I want to survive. I thrive in chaos. Yeah, Maul does more with less here, but I mean, it's Darth Vader. Okay, I understand. I understand. Da, 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 da. I, no, you can say that, but I mean, it's still Darth Vader. Like, I, I don't disagree. Like, this is a, it's an amazing scene. But yeah. And if Cal and I have said this, it's an amazing scene about like 20 times now at this point. I've said it at least. It's, it's beautiful. It's almost like you all should just watch the Siege of Mandalore and understand why we're saying all of these this high praise. Um, <laughs> or if you've already seen it, just want to listen to people sing its high praise. Exactly. And you can sing high praise with us. But um, the episode closes out with Ahsoka getting separating Rex from the other clones with the astromech droids who are helping her. And the the door, like she, they, she p- brings Rex into the medical bay and she's trying to find the inhibitor chip in his head. And like, it's not showing up on medical scans, but the astromech droids are trying to keep the clones out. So they're locking the door and like, like the th- they're on the clock. And she's like, we can't find it. We can't find the inhibitor chip. So she goes up to Rex while he's on the operating table. She puts his hand, her fingers on his temples and she starts saying, I'm one with the force. The force is with me. And we're like, I remember I was, I was like, what in the world? Because for those of you who don't know, that line is comes straight from Rogue One, where Chirrut Imwe is always like, I'm one with the Force and the Force is with me. I'm one with the Force and the Force is with me. And so she's saying that to Rex, and like she's like meditating through the Force, and then Rex starts saying it too. And then the inhibitor chip pops up on the medical scan, like they found it. Really intense scene at the end, like they're trying to get the inhibitor chip out of Rex's head, and Ahsoka's blocking all the lightsaber bolts. And then Rex, then you see like two pistols enter the frame and just shoot the clones and like rex sits up and she's like rex are you okay he's like yeah i i think so kid and she's like what's happening he's like every how wide how widespread is this he's like ahsoka it's all of us the entire grand army the entire grand army of the republic has been sent to hunt down and kill the jedi knights which is another sh- oh that's okay because i got that line i wrote in the show notes it was wrong i wrote this is the same line from a new hope i meant to say that after Rex's line where he says, hunt down and destroy all of Jedi Knights. That's exactly what Obi-Wan Kenobi says in a, in a New Hope in his hut when he's talking to Luke Skywalker about that. It's the same line as like the hunt down and destroy the Jedi Knights. I I get so emotional here. I'm like, God, oh, it's, no. it's great. But I mean, that's that was the third. That's the third episode, which it's the most dreadful moment in all of stars because you do not want it to happen at all. But should we have an intermission here with our ad? Yeah, I was going to say, before we get into the last episode, we could uh, have a word from our sponsor real quick. All right. After that huge shift from really depressing Star Wars stuff to talking about Anchor... <laughs> We are with the final episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars, and it's a beautiful finale, but I've never felt so empty watching a finale for a TV show. Yeah, I just, 
I, I after I even finished it the other the other day, I just like I finished it and I'm like, uh I just it's... I felt empty because like I just remember like being a kid every Friday or Saturday when it would come out. I was in like elementary school and then middle school it was coming out and then I'm just like 22 watching it again. It's game over. Yeah, it's. Oh, I, I want to talk about my first reactions after we just go through everything. But when the episode opens, there's this amazing score that's playing over and it's called victory and death. And it's this operatic music that's playing with this other like violin orchestra. And when I was watching with dad last night, he had said, he's like, this is the sound of death. And I'm like, you're, you're kind of right. Like, it's just like, the way that the score is just building up and like what had happened in the previous episode, it's just, it's so hard to put into words. The music does the score does such a great job of just setting the scene. And like, this is how we are ending out the clone wars. So when Ahsoka and Rex are Rex is back to normal. Now his inhibitor chip is out. It's back to the Rex that we know and love. Um, they're talking to each other and Ahsoka's like, I'm not trying to kill any of these clones. Set your blast just to stun. And Rex is like, we'll tell that to them. So Ahsoka and Rex take out the clones that are on the other side of the door. And they're trying to find a plan to get off of the ship and figure out what's happening. And we cut to Maul. Then this is mind you like this finale. Like there's not really a lot of like stuff storytelling and like plot that needs to happen like the only thing that like really needs to happen is like they need to figure out what's going on and like if they can find a way to get off of this ship but the reason that they need to try and find a way to get off of this ship is because maul goes into the hyperdrive and i know you played the force you played the force unleashed more than i did so oh i played a lot of the force unleashed i'll let you talk about this scene i loved the force unleashed when it came out we had it on our wii i played that game so much um like maul is like ripping down the hyperdrive pillars with the force he's like it's like complete force unleashed moment because like in the force unleashed your star your um star killer and that's sam witwer is the mocap guy for star killer and like the force unleashed is basically like you're a sith apprentice and you just you have crazy force power you can throw people around and chuck in your lightsaber it's pretty much like if you want to be a sith lord and just go crazy and do all the horrible things with the force that's basically what that game is it's awesome but maul is just ripping down the hyperdrive pillars and the ship falls out of hyperspace like the on the bridge they, they pan up to the bridge and the bridge is like we're falling out of hyperdrive we're falling out of hyperspace like how like the hyperdrive is offline it's like where is it? it's like it's non-existent anymore they're like what and then they tumble out of hyperspace and it's such a cool shot of like the ship just falling towards this moon well yeah so when the ship comes out of hyperspace like it just it like stops like a freight train like immediately and it's like this beautiful shot of like the ship just smoking and like falling mm-hmm. apart because maul just pulled the entire hyperdrive out of the ship it's just like insanely overpowered force moment with maul and it's oh sam witwer he did the voice of star killer in the force unleashed so like he and that's no longer canon in the star wars uh universe but it's like he gets his moment here being maul pulling the entire ship out of hyperspace which is beautiful it's like the ship is like 
completely wrecked and demolished now because he tore it out of hyperspace. And Ahsoka and Rex get to this navigation chamber and they're trying to figure out what's happening. And Rex is like, what do you mean the hyperdrive is gone? And he's like confused on what's happening. So it cuts then to where Ahsoka's like, open the bay doors. I want to see what's happening. So they open the bay doors and there's this, again, I, I said I can name three scores from this episode, but it's called Crash Course Moon. And you see them when the bay doors open, Ahsoka and Rex are looking at this moon that the Venator ship is heading towards. And they're going to crash into this moon. And Ahsoka's like, we need to get out of here. And the episode then just goes to Ahsoka and Rex need to get off of the ship before it crashes into this plant, into this moon, and they're all going to die. And I love, like, I love how simple the episode was because before I saw this final episode, I was like, oh, what's going to happen? Are they going to, like, go to Coruscant and, like, maybe have to fight, like, Commander Cody or something or go to the Jedi Temple or something? I had, like, all these crazy outlandish theories mm-hmm. that I was making up in my head. And the fact that, like, this is what the episode came to. I love it's so simple. It's just Ahsoka and Rex trying to get off of the ship before it crashes onto this moon. And I love how simple it is because it's such a compelling story. It's just like these two characters that I love. It's nothing over the top. It's just a simple, like we need to leave. And the entire garrison of the three thirty second and five Oh first is attacking us right now. It's just so it's such a compelling story and it's just so simple, like for a finale. And I love that. Exactly. Because they're in the they're in the kind of a control area for the fighter bay like the ship bay on the cruiser after they open the the bay doors where ships can deploy from and the, jesse pulls up with all of the jesse's an arc trooper for, for those who don't know that's an advanced recon clone um and he's out there with all of a bunch of 332nd clones 501st other clones on the ship and they're like Ahsoka's refused to kill the clones. He's like, my brothers, they're down there. They're going to ki- like, they will kill us and they won't think about it. She's like, they're good men. Um, Hold up. What does she say? Uh, okay. Yeah. Ahsoka refused to kill the clones. And she says, you're a good soldier, Rex. So is every one of those men down there. They may be willing to die, but I am not the one who's going to kill them. This is why Ahsoka is arguably one of the goat Jedi. She says that it's like, that's perfect. It is perfect because She's like, I don't care. I know those are, they're all good men. They're not acting the way they should be right now. This Something is going on bigger than the both of us, and I am not going to be the one to kill them just because this is what's going on right now. And Rex is crying, and I was crying when I saw I was like, oh, my God, Rex is crying. Well, yeah, because he feels guilty. Like, he, like, he's the only clone right now that's not under the orders of order 66 and he just feels like you see the guilt on his face and like the sadness where he's like all of my brothers are going to like try and kill you and take this ship down along with us like they do not care if they die as long as if you die and it's just like it's so sad because this is not what rex is wanting to do and it's it's a beautiful scene and rex is just in tears and it's a second time now where rex is in tears and you never see rex cry and it's it just provides so much more emotional weight for this because Rex feels like he should die with his brothers and like he doesn't want to try and escape, but like he also doesn't want to die either. So oh, just pain. It's, I'm in it's sp- a great scene. I'm in Spain without the ass. <laughs> but so Rex and Ahsoka then go down to 
where the ship is and Rex is sort of trying to reason with Jesse while he's hold. He's like sort of baiting Jesse while he's holding Ahsoka and he's like, Ahsoka's not a part of the grand army. She's not a part of the Jedi order anymore. She hasn't been for quite some time. You see Jesse, Jesse, Jesse hesitate and like sort of think about what he's saying, but he's like, commander X, you're in violation of order 66. You'll be executed, demoted of rank. And it's just like, yeah, it'd be court martial. You see how, um, how Jesse just like he hesitated, but then his programming completely took over and he's just a completely different character because Jesse, we again watched him throughout this whole show evolve as a character, as a clone. So it's just like, uh, and he's after he says to Rex, like you'll be demoted from rank. And Rex is like, yeah, I didn't really like being commander much anyway. It's like, yeah, neither did we, we neither did we, we liked it when you were a captain. Captain Rex. But so at this point, they all start to fight like something's going like the astromech droids are like dropping bay doors down to maintenance and the clones are flying, flying up and down and they're trying to get away to this ship that's in one of the side bays to get out on. But this is where Maul comes in and this is where Ahsoka pays for letting Maul fr- free. Um, Maul is like, you wanted this chaos and he like force throws her back. And he gets on the ship and he starts flying away in the ship. And Ahsoka's trying to pull the ship back with the force. He's trying to pull, pull. And Rex is behind her, shooting at all the clones. He's like, I can't hold them off. He gets hit once in the shoulder. He's like, I can't hold them off. I can't hold them off. And she has to let the ship go. She's like, we have to figure out a new way. And Maul gets free. And Maul flies away with their ships. Because like, you knew when she let Maul free in the last episode, she's like, "This is she's going to pay for doing that. Like, you mm-hmm. don't. You don't let Maul free and not end up paying for it later. Yeah. So it's well after Maul. Well, Ahsoka's like holding that ship back. She's trying to do everything she can. It's like a cool. It's weird because I don't know when this was animated because Ray does the same thing in the Rise of Skywalker where she's holding the ship back. So it's cool, just girl power. Like I love, Shout I out. love, I love female Jedi like Avar Chris. Sokatano, Ray, all legends. So, but not Luminara unduly. She sucks. No, we don't like her. But so, um, Ahsoka and Rex go down to where the maintenance is, and there's all a bunch of other clones on there. And Ahsoka and Rex are trying to find another ship that can get them off of their current Venator that's about to crash while they're defending themselves. And you see how physically tired Ahsoka is because she's 17 years old and she's fighting off an entire garrison. Like you see how she's just exhausted and trying to defend herself. And it's like this chick is 13 years, not 13, 17 years old. And she is doing everything she can to fight. Like clone troopers are like not an easy, an entire garrison. That's like no easy feat to do. So like a lot of the Jedi died fighting against like these clones. And it's just the, that's one of my frustrations because we knew what happened with Ahsoka and Rex because of Star Wars Rebels. This would have been so much better if we didn't know if Ahsoka and Rex lived throughout this. Yeah, it's it's kind of, it's kind of a bummer. He's like, oh, well, we know they live. It's like we would have been like, oh, my God, what if one of them dies? What if one of them dies? Oh, yeah. If we didn't know that, um, I would Ahsoka, have thought Rex would have been toast. I, th- I, th- I would have I would have thought that Rex would have died probably. Yeah, I couldn't see them killing Ahsoka. But I could definitely see them have killing Rex if I didn't know 
he survived in rebels which was frustrating but <clears throat> they then um find a y-wing bomber ship where they're able to try and get on that but rex gets onto that ship and it falls out of the compartment it goes like down into the atmosphere of the planet and ahsoka misses so she's falling in the air like skydiving basically and rex is trying to like catch up to her and the set piece of her just like flying through the air like running on debris that is falling from the ship like next to them it's amazing it's just again like it's so simple but like she's like running on debris and like doing everything she can to try and catch up to rex so she can land onto this y-wing it's amazing it's it's just so simple yet beautiful and she finally gets onto the ship and they get off of the venator and they're away from the rest of the clones and the entire garrison that is under the order of 60 under protocol 66 and the ship then crashes and then we enter one of the saddest scenes in all of star wars and all of and all of the clone wars because this is where the the music changes back to the like blade runner like really it's not john williams-esque music it's very very different yeah it's called bury burying the dead i think or yeah. bury the dead which is on honestly on very on point because mm-hmm. ahsoka and rex buried every single member of the clones on that ship or that they could find probably and it's just awful because the music's playing and there's a little burial of r7 next to their y wings propped up um Ahsoka's in like her hood that you see her in Rebels and onward. Um and it's pan like the Ahsoka drops her lightsabers because it's it shows that a piece of her died at the end of the Clone Wars here when all of these clones died. Mm-hmm. Like after this event, like she leaves her lightsabers. It's just like I have died here. This is not I need it was to a- yeah. It was like a symbolic death for like everything because like there's a burial for all these clones like Rex. Like you see Rex walking with the shovel and like he buried all of the clones that he could find and like he put their gun in the ground and like their helmet like on top of it and like he buried every single one of them and you get this beautiful shot then of like all of like the bodies that are like buried and all their helmets that are like sticking out of the ground and then you cut to like the last helmet and it's Jesse's helmet who is the arc trooper and we've grown up with him since the very beginning of the show so it's just like so surreal seeing like a clone that like you've grown up with and you care about and you just see him buried and like he's dead and he's he he died as like not the character that we know he really is Mm -hmm. and the big thing with jesse is his on his head and on his helmet he has a tattoo of the republic emblem so when it's pans to jesse's helmet and jesse's dead and that helmet's hanging there dirty cracked and like hang like he's dead like that is the symbol of like the death of the republic that the republic is gone what you knew and what you loved is not is no more and it was it's just oh my god as you're just like sitting there and you're, i was tearing up it's, just, oh. it's such a sad and emotional scene because it's the music that plays it's moving it's 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 moving it's a finale and like you really feel just the weight of what had just happened and we get a flash forward then of Imperial. It's snow. It, like we flash forward to Imperials landing on this moon. This moon currently was like at like a desert state, but now when we cut to it, it's like snowing on the planet, and we see snowtroopers and they're sort of like looking around, scanning this Venator ship, and 
we get Darth Vader who's walking up to this ship and it's a completely new character model, not the same one from Rebels. You and I both think that Vader's going to show up in Bad Batch because exactly. of his character model and Bad Batch is still using the same Clone Wars animation. Yep. And I, I'd be stupid not to use this, to use Vader in Rebels. I'd be so bummed. Yeah. But um, he's just there to like make sure that Ahsoka died and like he picks up the lights Anakin picks up the lightsaber that he gave to her and like he ignites it because he gave her the blue lightsabers at the beginning of this arc and he sees that the lightsabers are still there and he sort of gets confirmation he assumes that Ahsoka is dead we know she isn't but he looks up into the sky and there's um this owl flying and it's Morai and the owl Morai represents the daughter from mortis the mortis arc because she gave her life to save ahsoka and the owl has the same like white and green on it and ahsoka even says in rebels she's like she saved my life once and it's true because the daughter died so ahsoka could live at one point because ahsoka technically died but she was brought back to life from the daughter because it's a whole thing with mortis but there's the force that is that exists on the living force that exists on Mortis is incredibly powerful and overpowered. It's a conduit so, of it's a nexus point of the force. Mm-hmm. But so we see the owl that's shown a lot in Rebels. Also, I think it was shown in um, the Mandalorian too. It is, yeah, yeah. So like the the owl Morai, like whenever Morai is around, Ahsoka is there too. So. Maybe she was still on that planet when maybe she's on the Vader ship. Who knows? Yeah, we don't know. But we get this beautiful shot to end the Clone Wars, where it's a helmet that's a clone trooper helmet in the snow with the three thirty second painting Ahsoka's the painting that they had done for their helmets to pay homage to Ahsoka. It's in the snow and it's cracked, and it cuts from like Vader's reflection walking away from the visor of the helmet. And it's just this this helmet in the snow. And then it just cuts. And it's like created by George Lucas. And it does the like the credits. And after seeing this for the first time, I felt so empty. I was like, man. Part of me died on that planet. On that moment. Oh. Being like eight years old when the show first came out, like it was great because the show like grew up with us. Like as we got older, like it was a, it was definitely like a, like for kids when the show first came out, but being 20 years, because I was eight years old when the movie first came out and I'm was 20 years old now when this final art came out and it's just, it's so emotional because like you really feel empty. Like I feel like the whole clone Wars story was fulfilled. Yeah. And what, what they're doing with the bad batch is great as well. But like just with the clone wars, it's like, it was such a defining moment of my life. Like I grew up with this show and the characters and like, I tried to model myself like after a lot of these characters and what they did because of how true and honorable they were like Obi-Wan and like Rex mm-hmm. and even like Anakin at points and like Ahsoka. So it's just tough. Yeah. It's, it's really tough seeing the show end. Because it's like you're moving on in your life. Like it's like this show will like it like forever, like, it's like a time capsule of like a period of our lives when we were young and impressionable and like it really had an impact on our lives. And just like, you just watch it all come to an end. You're like, ah, it's, it's mm-hmm. like, you're like, it's like, it gave a sense of finality that 
the prior two cancellation episodes didn't give mm-hmm. until now, yeah. it, which is crazy because like I'll I'll let you talk about this because this is what you wrote down. Well, yeah, if you would have told me twelve years ago that the finale for the Clone Wars was going to feature Captain Rex, Ahsoka Tano, and Darth Maul. I'm like, this sounds stupid. I don't care. I want Anakin and Obi-Wan and Count Dooku and General Grievous and Palpatine and like all the, like I want this crazy, like all the characters I know. The fact that this show was able to develop all these great original characters. Maul isn't an original character in this, but like he, he's basically original because like, you know, he doesn't have anything in Phantom Menace. No, he doesn't have anything in the Phantom Menace and like all the story prior to the Phantom Menace that exists with Maul it's different on screen. So like I, I will consider Maul an original character from the clone wars just because of how much character development he gets. But if you would have told me that the finale of the show revolves around Ahsoka Tano, like Anakin's Padawan, a clone captain and Darth Maul, I'd be like, this sounds dumb, but I could not have been more pleased with the way that the show ended. Yeah, it's and it's because those are the characters that we grew up with. Like those are the characters we actually grew with. Like mm-hmm. I was like Obi Wan and Anakin were established characters. Like and Kantuka was an established character. Yoda was an established character. Like these are the ones who we watched grow and develop. Because like Ahsoka showed up and she sucked. We all hated her. Captain Rex was kind of just this two dimensional. Oh, I'm the I'm Captain Rex. I am commander. I'm the captain of the five hundred first Legion. And Darth Maul like was interesting when he first showed up but he was, just, he was just this crazy madman who wanted to kill obi-wan kenobi well it's like your balance like good and evil like ahsoka and maul like it's like you're perfect and like rex is sort of when he was doing order 66 like he was the gray area for that but it's like mm-hmm. you get your perfect balance of with your characters that are in the show it's yeah all the development all the fleshing out of characters was amazing and this arc is it's gorgeous it's it's perfect it's like an 11 out of 10 it's it's the best star wars content released since empire strikes back and this is what i wanted to talk about briefly before we wrap up here but people are complaining a lot about the bad batch and like the episodes that are happening in it but i don't think people realize how lucky we are because because bad batch is basically clone wars part two but the way that this the way that the clone wars ended we got four consecutive episodes of 10 out of 10 star wars content you'd be hard pressed to find someone who hated the siege of mandalore arc like you would be it would be very difficult to find someone who didn't like it but you got four episodes of that of like perfect star wars the clone wars content then the bad batch opens with the 70 minute first episode which is another like 10 out of 10 phenomenal opening 70 minutes of just banger action and like banger star wars content a lot of the clone wars was like filler content as well and like it didn't have like the greatest story arcs either and that's the sort of episodes but they weren't like astounding like these were no exactly so this is where i get annoyed with people like the bad batch just isn't hitting like what i was expecting it to i'm like i guarantee you if we were the same age as we were now and the clone wars was coming out we'd be like this is stupid this is not what i was wanting to see like mm-hmm. if I was like sitting there and like watching, like, I, I don't even, I'm trying to think of like an arc. Like if I was watching like into the void where like the droids are on that planet yeah. and like, I'd be like, this is bomb bad Jedi. Is, yeah. It's just like, no, you don't understand. Like this is like, it's building up to things like, yeah, there's filler content. 
the episodes aren't as bad as you're making them out to be. You just have been incredibly fortunate and blessed to have five consecutive, like base this, this arc takes about an hour and a half, I'd say to watch. And then the bad batch first episode is an hour as well. So you've been blessed with like two and a half consecutive hours of amazing star Wars content. Like you have to let bad, like I'm saying this now when bad batch becomes a banger show, like towards the end, the back half of the show, I know it's going to like, I, you know, it's going to have to, you know, you know, it's going to like the, the animators and the composers for bad batch were like getting emotional and crying, making the music for the finale of the show. So like, I know that this show is going to have some, banger moments yeah the episodes are a little slow right now but it's like it's episode six episode five this is exactly what the clone wars was though like it was slow as well so it's like i i don't really get why people are getting so mad i'm like go back and watch season one of the clone wars like go watch every episode like yeah it's good stuff but i mean like if you were watching it this if it was airing while you were the same age now you'd probably have similar feelings as well yeah yeah, but, you, you could also arc takes about hour and a half to watch, but or you could listen to us talk about it for two and a half hours. Exactly. We talked we we've talked forever about we've said multiple times in this podcast why we love the Siege of Mandalore and like, oh, the Siege of Mandalore is so great. But yeah, yeah. this is oh, I love the Siege of Mandalore. You can't even put into words how good it is. You just have to experience it for what it is. You do. But once you experience it, come back and listen to the podcast. And if you enjoyed, we hope that you share it with someone that you also think would enjoy it. If you have any questions, please send it to our email, legionairepodcast at gmail.com or to our Instagram, which is legionaire at legionairepod. Spell legionaire, L-E-G-I-O-N-N-A-I-R-E. And with that massive, massive episode of Cal and I, talking about the siege of mandalore and why we love it so much we're just gonna sign off we are legion